You are listening to Shoot and Scoot, the Blades of War Team Yankee Federation Nation Nam and Great World Podcast that tries to make sense of the weird and wonderful world of 15mm wargaming with our tongues firmly in our cheeks, our pads really flat to the ground, and our dice, more often than not, fading to Shoot and Scoot every episode. We invite you to join us on our many hobby misadventures on Facebook and on the blog at BreakthroughAssault.co.uk and to shop online at Battlefield Hobbies because Hammy has started hosting Flames of War events again! Yay! Woo! If nice dice are your advice, then be sure to check out diceofwar.com.au, our podcast sponsor here at Shoot and Scoot. And if you want to pay for something you could get for free, you can now also become a patron supporter by following the link on the Breakthrough Assault blog. Pay £1 a month for your chance to also become internet famous. I'm Eddie Fez-Turner, broadcasting from somewhere in the south of England, and I'm joined by my co-host Duncan, distraction from the main event, Gosling. You dirty panacea monger. And Lee, flawless victory, Parnell. Cling sweet, baby. Woohoo! <laughs> Welcome to episode 56, the one where we played a podcast event and didn't even realise it. Lee, what are we talking about tonight? <laughs> um, so tonight, as I get my composure back, we'll be talking about what we've been painting in Faces, Faces, Something, Something. We'll then be bringing you news from the front as we talk about what we've been playing. Yep, we finally come up with a name for the section. Oh, have we? Yes. Um, I didn't get the memo. I didn't get the memo. Fine. I didn't get the it's memo. An homage, it's an homage to WWPD, so we can call it that. It's fine. The homage, oh, it's an homage. Yeah. Oh, yeah, please don't sue us. <laughs> Is that the legal distinction we're going well, <laughs> So, So apparently, WWPD did get sued. Did they? By, by the Patton family. What? Really? Yeah, yeah. Uh, did you not know this? No, no. Yeah. No. So, <laughs> it, originally, it was, what would Patton do? Yes, it was. The yeah. podcast, and then they had to abbreviate it to WWPD. Because the Patton family reached out and said, "You're using Patton's name without our permission, and that is not, a, you know, we don't, we do not approve of that." Which is why it became WWPD. So, can we have to worry about um, Monty's yeah. estate coming at us about uh, Monty's meat grinder T-shirts? Well, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe. possibly dispersing his reputation. I don't know about that. If we, if we ever get that big, then, you know, at least we can use the uh, the Patreon funds to pay, pay our legal legal fees. What is better course all doing? Yeah. <laughs> That's, that sounds like a really bizarre version of that Beatles quote saying we're, we're actually bigger than Patton. You know, we're yeah. <laughs> bigger than Patton. <laughs> <laughs> bigger. Anyway, so bigger back, to, back to the contents of the show, which I actually realised we should. News to the front to talk about what we're playing, and then we'll be talking about answering your answers, sorry, answering your questions and after answers. Um, talk about events, and then we'll be shooting and scooting. See, I can I can do this presenting thing. I know it's not that hard yeah, at all. If you've got faces, faces, something, and something. No, that, was just, that was the first one. I did it first. Sorry, this yeah. is not this is not getting to like GB news levels. A farcical, farcical broadcasting. <laughs> yeah, hold like, on. Where's your firearm? He's going to come on for the next slot right next now. In the, in the, the hell he is. Saving. The hell he is. Don't mind Cole. The hell he is. Exactly. Where's hey, hands? Faces, faces. What have you been painting? That's a good question. Um, what have I been painting? I painted stuff for the barn, I think. No, I didn't. That's just a lie. I finished painting my Yanks up, didn't I? You, I you had organised painting... had all your Yanks painted before the barn. Exactly. So and I painted all Germans. that up. And then I paid Germans. <laughs> <laughs> so I've painted... I haven't painted as much as I thought I had, if that makes any sense. Right. Um, because I've... I, what with the, the country opening up and not being, you know, a, a dishevelled hole of just uh, self-containment no, no, i think is, this hole is still disheveled is it yeah it's not changed oh okay well it's, that's fine the it's um the, the most important thing is yeah i can go and uh eat in a pub apparently um but yeah i i think i only painted 30 things in july 
like 30 teams, which is, you know, that's that's quite a bit less than uh, previously on Duncan. Mm-hmm. So um, I did paint, I can't remember what we talked about last time is the problem. Anyone remember? Crushing silence. Right. Snickers uh, bar, I can't tell. It's not very good. Um, I think I'd, I can't remember. I think I painted all my bits and pieces for the US, so the priests and stuff, I think we'd already done. Um, I did I not? Had I painted the threes? Are you sure? I'm not sure. You were thinking about going to the US because you kept getting tramps every time you're playing Germans and you were off on a... a oh, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm on a massive anti-German uh, protestation at the moment. Not I don't know why. You. No, I know. I know. I just I can't seem to get a list that I like. And I don't know why. Like a mental block. Um, so I've just been, yeah, mostly painting the US up. And I built quite a lot of bits, actually. I built, um, I sold my mid-war Americans to then replace them with exactly the same mid-war American models. That's very good. Um, is it? Or is that exactly what you'd expect me to do? Well, like a different army, maybe, but the same models. That's, that's, that's next level, Duncan. It's pretty <laughs> much, it's pretty much the same models. I'm not you're saying got, it's exactly You're looking pretty hard over there, dude. I'm not going to lie. And in fact, I, I, I threw away <laughs> This is embarrassing. I threw away two P40. What? Threw away? <laughs> yeah, because I broke I broke them and I couldn't be bothered fixing them. But that's objective marker stuff. No, I just I couldn't be bothered. I wasn't very happy with them anyway. I, I was keeping on hold on to them because I didn't want to paint some more airplanes, and then I dropped them trying to paint them away. It was all the best. I'm not gonna lie. Mistakes were made. Um, I regret everything and but nothing the at the same time. The P40 is supposedly one of the best. World War II aircraft to fly as a pilot. Oh no, I've I've bought some replacements to actually replace them with. Uh, I just yeah, I, I couldn't couldn't bring myself to uh, to repair them. And then I've I've built a US ARP um, and the metal thirty seven mil guns. Oh, so I've, I've built those because I never thought I'd actually have them. Yeah, um, actually they're quite good value. They're six points in mid war, and you can take the toes for another three points, which gives them I think quite a, quite a nice little little package you got some i think they're 87 um and then you've also got four half tracks with 50 cows which so are good yeah which are good so that means they're fairly self-contained um but i haven't really been painting that much i need to i need to pull my finger out do the half yeah, tracks oh man see now we started playing again i'm starting to think of like the rules that i don't really know but when the okay. half is empty do they not go to the rear no they have to remain the the, the unit leader has to remain within command of is that the... Is not just a German thing, or is that everyone? No, that's everyone, I believe. They're not unarmoured. If there are trucks, they would. Oh, is that what the difference is? Yeah. So uh, the, the, the the toes can stay around, and um, essentially they, they still have to remain with the guns. Yes, but yeah. They have to be within four or whatever, how many inches it is of the platoon. The commanders have to be close together, don't they? Exactly. So it's a little bit awkward, but it's still decent because you can a whole lot of defensive fire yeah and and like i said you know you can have them just scooting around and there's 450 cows there it's only three more points to do that and it gives them a bit of flexibility as well so you can leave them in reserve um what else i'm trying to think what i painted in my u.s stuff i definitely haven't painted any soviets that's true um and i haven't painted any team yankee for a while actually i need to look at that again but yeah I, I, it was I, I got all the bits and bobs for the u.s uh for the germans done for the barn and then it was just painting US stuff, whatever was left in those formations. So um, just rounding the stuff out for warfare. Um, what did I? I bought some stuff and then he painted. It. Oh, there's the um, M20s for the 
uh, M10 formation. So I got all ah, that painted, all the yes, M10s you had the HQ, done. Yeah. Right. Yes, and um, I got all the Scots done for the Stuarts and everything like that. I think we talked about that before, but it was the um, M4 um, mortar carriers and the priests I got done as well. I don't know what why I got I, I don't know why I've got priests to be honest because they're not super duper, but they're you know they're handy to have as models. No, I, I'm not looking forward to painting all this crew for half tracks. Really? Yeah, but it's just like painting extra infantry for no purpose, isn't it? Apart from it looks complete, you can't have them without. But it's just like you know, you get, you get the, all the joy of painting uh, and the interior of a vehicle as well, and then uh, and then painting some infantry to sit in it. You can't not do it, otherwise, it, you know, just there's no point having stupid. empty half tracks. Yeah. So I've been. That's what my main focus has been. I've been a little bit off the wagon. I have been. Uh, I have actually some uh, just an update. I did send my British off to get done, so I found someone to do my uh, British Flick Keith Flint list because I wasn't going to get that done in time for warfare if I wanted to take it. So that's gone away. Oh man! To, to be back soon. Yeah, I know. I just but this is this is why I want to do. <laughs> oh, I'm making myself laugh now. This is why I'm also uh, I want to do um, the Winterized British for Operation uh, Operation. Uh huh. Yeah, for Operation Blackcock, which nearly got me banned from uh, from work trying to Google that stuff. Um, <laughs> but um, but yeah, that I found that really interesting when they were uh, there was some they were talking about the second um, infantry division. So the fact that it was um, mountain trained and then was churned into a, a, an air mobile unit and then eventually just shoved into the line. Yeah, yeah. So I, I was quite interested in that, and I thought that would be quite interesting. Actually, I don't remember ever seeing a British Winter Army. I mean, they must exist. Like people must have done them, but I don't remember everything. I, I was talking about this because one of those things I once went doing was like um, Brit Paras and like those cool snowsuits apparently only have existed for a few publicity shots. <laughs> but um, I I was trying to then think if I'd seen a winterized British force, and I can't yeah. think of one either. So I, I thought think, that might be really interesting. Yeah, I don't think, I think it's one of those great. You can find Americans in great coats and Soviets yep. in great coats and German great coats. But it doesn't seem to be any British in great coats or the leather jerkin kind of things that they wore or anything like that. Yeah, the leather jerkins I can't find any of. Now the only person who's right into the, the, the rescue is is Mr. Goddard with his three D printer, because apparently they're they're bringing out a line in that in the stumpies. Um yeah. you got two between legs and jerkins, and that's not a choice I want to make. No, no. Um I can't find yeah, and apparently I think the great coats someone mentioned, I can't remember who mentioned it, apologies, it might be your mic, but that that they were early war war than late war right right so i don't know but that i thought that was quite a cool idea but again it's like taking that um that keith flint list and tweaking it and then redeploying it and the only thing i couldn't work out was whether it was better to use at the moment a d-day air landing uh platoon or company sorry or whether yeah. to use a standard rifle platoon well they weren't they although they were trained coming by plane they were still organized they were, they were, the platoons weren't resized to go into a glider. They were, they were going to be flown in by the coaters, so they're still yes. proper platoon sizes and that. Okay, because I couldn't work out as well whether they had been given any different equipment, because obviously, like the German yeah. stuff, they'd been issued like mounting guns rather than the standard infantry guns, because the intention was that they were supposed to be doing lightly armoured things rather yeah. than... Yeah, well, because the British, you know, British infantry don't really have infantry guns. All they have is mortars, machine guns and six-pounders, which... Yeah. Is, that's the same as Brit Paris, except for the six-pounders have, like, um, folding trails. Um, so I, I imagine they weren't really equipped. They probably just had machine gun, you know, machine guns and mortars and maybe didn't have... Their man had all six-pounders out of the back of the coat or they wouldn't have them at all. Yeah, and I don't know what happened when they were 
were then just told to go sit into the line, whether they were actually then just, you know, issued some transportation, yeah. like trucks and stuff, and told to get on with it. I mean, we, we so, found that photo of, of, of a carrier that's tagged as being that division, so it must have had yeah. carriers at some But I thought that might be interesting. So that might be my, my British painting project. Rather, I just wanted to get the... Um, yeah, the 51st Highlanders done and the guard chairman. So I had something to play with my, with my Brits if I want to. Um, because that, mainly because I have fallen so direly out of love with my Germans at the moment. <sighs> Mate, you just, oh, I don't know. I just can't, I can't find something that I like. Well, you keep the playing the weird, random, wacky stuff, which I don't think helps. Do I? Like what? Like Butte Panzers. Hush <gasps> your mouth. <laughs> yeah, the Butte Sticks are awful. Yeah, so overpointed. We'll we'll come yeah. on to that, but yes, I know. But I I did paint them and I did want to use them. That was no, I get, I get the rule. I think I think that's probably not helping your. Yeah, but I've oh. tried playing. I've tried playing like infantry lists with beach defenders. I've tried painting Panzer Grenadiers. I've tried playing SS Panzers. You know, I've tried all these different combat. I just can't get something that that feels right. You always seem to have something in your army that is suboptimal. Yeah, that's just me. Yeah, and no. I, I, no, I accept that. I said that it's suboptimal. But the, I think the problem with Germany, the German list at the moment, is when you take something that is suboptimal, it's super suboptimal and therefore sinks yeah, the rest of the list. But then you're just sitting like with a crutch of tigers and other stuff. No, I, well, you say that, but Lee did pretty well. And... Not a single tiger or panther, yeah. So. There you go. Yeah, yeah, maybe. But I'm also, sure. also, I think maybe it's time to think about your play style. Do I have one? I don't know if I have well, one. That might be a problem. Yeah, yeah, that that, that, that may be. be why when it comes to gaming, you're not quite gelling with your army. No, I know, and it's fine. I I've, I don't know. I just I think the problem with the Germans is that they still put me off is the cost of stuff. Like it just feels like you you can have two thirds of the tools you think you need. Yeah, and then tough. And I I'm still not a proponent of the oh it'll be fine when they get cheaper in like later books because they also get more rubbish. So and I, I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing to say. Oh yeah, a 1945 or yeah, March 1945 German army is better than a uh, March 1944 army. That shouldn't be the case. Yeah, but it kind of it depends. It depends on what you're playing against massively. You know, there's a reason. Yeah. Min- minus the the training and quality of the troops, there's a reason the equipment got a lot better in terms of or a lot more focused, shall we say? It's because they realise what works and what doesn't. Mm. These massive, huge, overpowered stationary anti-tank guns which are overkill most things, are kind of beaten by having the equivalent resource put into 300 Panzerfausts. Yeah, we'll, we'll get on to the next yeah. section, but it's like what I was finding with taking Panthers against you you and Nathan and finding I was getting beaten quite heavily because I was just at, you know, I just couldn't be everywhere at once and you guys were flanking me and hitting me in the butt. Yeah. <laughs> and then switching to Panzer fours, you know, so going for a tank that's adequate for what I'm facing, actually all of a sudden I'm doing quite well with it because it, it, it's suitable for what it's facing yeah before we get carried away into that lee what have you been painting yeah so um i have been finishing off the carriers i talked about in the last last podcast um <laughs> shadow so it hasn't been yeah it hasn't been a massive productive month this month it's just been a very bit... nice they're looking too yeah thank you that's uh, right been... carriers give me a bad taste in my mouth at the moment let me just gargle with this rum and get <laughs> it out yeah <laughs> but um yes yeah, so i paid four machine gun carriers and three recce carriers and that's the first of what will be about 20-odd carriers by the time I finish. Ooh. Um, but it means that's, but along with the two mobile um, Oswins, that's about what I painted this month. I did, 
had the original idea of painting those and the M10s and hopefully the Stuarts and I just right. sort of run, run out of painting momentum, I think. So so this month you've painted what? How many how many carriers are there? So I painted um seven carriers and two mail wagons. Seven so that's nine models. Duncan, how many models have you painted? I've painted thirty teams. Oh that was what I painted as well. Panzer uh, Panzer Grenadier platoon. That was what I needed for the big barn. So I did paint some Germans. Right, there you go. Yeah, so that was with the Panzer Shreks. These are the plastic ones. Very nice they were too. For for a split a fleeting second there, I had Olympic gold in my sights. Because I've got twenty eight teams in front of me that I've painted and I thought maybe, maybe there's a chance I'd painted the most out of the three of us. <laughs> and the then month. Duncan just comes in like a wrecking ball and crashes crashes <laughs> through. I'll be worried about the month where Duncan hasn't painted more than both of us put together, I'm gonna be honest. <laughs> Oh, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. I'm Actually, no, down with that the has bar. come, I guess, because like I say, yeah. if you painted 28 and I painted 7, then yes, we have together painted more than Duncan. Yes! Yeah, <laughs> I've also got massively sidetracked now with painting these um 28mm Warhammer figures, which uh, will, will keep me busy for a bit. But um, this happened to me last year. Do you remember? I went through that phase where I suddenly just went, no! It's <laughs> no, like painting like Space Marines for some reason, and then went got back on the horse. I, I think, don't know I what think... goes on. I think you get palette cleaner occasionally just to like mix things up. I'm, I might take a little break and do some aeronautica and get those ar- little Arvis sliders up painted yes. up. Yes, I mean, but yes. <laughs> nice. So, uh, yeah, I painted a whole army pretty much uh, for the Barn Bash. You did? And I love that disc camo. Yes. Well, yeah. How so, did you do the disc camo? I, wanna, I really want to know how you did that. Disc- I, I know, but I'm still intrigued to hear. Carry on. I, stole, I, I sold my soul to the devil. Um, who also goes by the name of uh, Brian. <laughs> Brian the Devil? That doesn't sound right. Brian the Devil. That sounds like Brian. when um, people call like dogs like normal names, like Nigel. Yeah, well, he's, he's the best Brian, literally, because it's Brian Best of Anarchy Models. Oh, okay. So he has a fantastic range of airbrush stencils. Um, and he, I'm going to shield for him now because it's worth it because the product is absolutely amazing. Yeah, so stencils. He has two versions. He's got the HD or high definition stencil system, which is the one I use Jesus. for the disc camo, and then the high speed or HS stencil system. So uh, the high speed ones are hard wearing, reusable um, plastic, so they don't actually stick to the model. So right. they are fantastically detailed, amazing designs that are really cleverly thought out. Um, and they're the ones that I used to do my allied stars on my warfare army or my Shermans. Okay, so you just sort of hold them over and spray. I mean, t- yeah, so yeah. it's 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 it, the plastic just wipes clean afterwards. So for flat surfaces, for larger projects, for things where you want a bit of a bleed through because they would have it in the real world and the scale works, the high speed set system is is the way to go because um, that you know they're infinitely reusable. Whereas for the disc camo, for extremely intricate detail stuff, it's the high def one. And it's actually made up of this really, um, the masking material is, it's got a sticky low tack side on it, um, but also it slightly stretches. So when you put it over a curved surface, like I'm looking at the top of my um, Panzer 470s here, and they've got the rail the rail system that the, the gun sight slides around. So like that raised detail on the top. Yes, yeah, a little like, um, like kind of arc on the top. Yeah, an arc on the top. And there was absolutely no bleed through where that was because of the stencil just basically stretched and covered it and stuck over. Um, so it's it's one millimeter disc camo, um, 
is the is the name of the design. He's got it in a couple of sizes because it's scale ambivalent. He's got um, four millimeter and two millimeter as well, which works really well for twenty eight mil stuff and larger. Um, he hasn't actually got the one millimeter on his website yet, but he does have the product, so he's just going to add it. So if you go there and it's not on there just yet, fire him an email and he'll be able to sort you out because he does actually have the product. He's not listed it yet. So um, did you have to paint them in reverse? The paint you want it half large and then mark and then. Uh, you sounded like you just got eaten by Robocop on my end. I don't know if it's, yeah, yeah. I, know. I don't know if it's going to work for the listeners the same way, but um, I gathered what you were saying. And yes, I, I painted these ones in reverse. So I used the Vallejo Rot Brown um, vinyl primer, sprayed the whole model Rot Brown, which I thought was kind of historical because that's the actual primer colour. Um, then I stuck on a whole heap of the disc camo patterns and you've got to think right what do i where do i want brown discs which is really hard because the whole model is brown at that time okay. so you then stick on a whole load of pans boff off boff off boff and then you go through and spray the second camo color which for me was the olive green or whatever yeah uh, the green color basically now you don't have to do the whole model because it's a bit of a waste of paint if you just do the areas you know you're going to want the green to show do that then you stick on more stencils over that for what you want to keep green um and the thing to remember there is obviously if you stick a stencil over a brown one that you've already got on there when you spray it it's going to look like you've got the brown has gone over the green because you're painting in reverse yes that's that's a bit always messing me up when working with the masking part trying to work out yeah yeah so then you decal all that up so then finally you do the actual dinkle gelb base color and you do that over the whole model. So everything that doesn't have a decal is going to be the yellow. Then How time-consuming is that? It wasn't that bad, actually. I did it one two evenings. The main thing is to know your paint. So depending on your paint, because the worst possible, it's a low-tech adhesive on the masking stuff, but if you get over-eager and peel it off too early, it can take the bottom layers with it. So you want to make sure that you're, you're, you're late. So I did the brown, let it dry for about a couple of hours, did the first set of decals, sprayed it green, left that overnight, then did the green decals, stickers, and then and stencils rather, and then sprayed it dunkle gelb. So that's why I did it over two nights, was to give it a bit of a chance to set. Yeah. Um, you also need to make sure that you keep the layers nice and light, because if you go super deep, you'll actually get a texture on them, if that makes sense. Yeah. So you've got to be kind of a little bit careful of what you're doing, but... Um, the thing I really like about Brian's models is he's a hobbyist himself. He's not just done this because he thinks, oh, yeah, I'll, you know, I've got this product. I can do these designs and it's be really easy. So you not only on these sheets, you not only get the actual circles themselves, you also get a big chunk of um, like one inch square inverse ones. So say you do the model, and you've got a big gap where you're like, crap, I didn't put anything in there. You can then put the the one inch square with the hole in the middle over that gap and then spray the green or brown color over the hole and build it back up the other direction right got you yeah that's cool i like yeah. that yeah yeah it's really clever and, and and all the all the other designs that he's got he's got things similar where he he's he's done it himself and gone actually that hasn't quite worked you need a way to do that and he's added it in um an example of that is on the high speed system as well he does a load of like the Allied Stars in different sizes, or like the the 28 millimeter turret numbers. 
PS numbers one through nine, but instead of just having them as little square bits that you can lose, he's punched a hole in them so you can put them on a key ring, so you can have a key ring of all your turret numbers and not lose them. That's pretty cool. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I'm really impressed. And the other the other thing, just a, just one last one last bit of promotion for him is the um, he's also got like uh, different scale black and Krauses, so war crosses, and he's got the two the two matching stencils, so you can do the black bit with one stencil and then you can do the white cross on the outside just by carefully aligning the other stencil over the top so you can no longer have to be held by decals you can just sit there and endlessly do that but because he knows that you're trying to do a little bit of detail and any overspray would go in the model the actual stencil is cut into what looks like a Maltese cross because you then take the edges of that cross and fold them up and tape them together to make a little bucket so that any overspray from that stencil gets caught by that bucket and doesn't go onto your model. So that's yeah, that's pretty cool. I like that. Yeah, no, it's, they're, they're they're amazing. I love them, and I've, I've you know finally got my airbrush out and finally got through to actually do this. And you know, even though I you know was doing it the week of the tournament, I still managed to make something I'm actually pretty proud of, and I think there's pretty good amount you know approximation of disc camo, which looks like it took me way longer than it actually did. Um, was that the two millimeter spots or the four millimeter spots you're using so yeah i use the one millimeter that aren't on his website just yet so if you're looking now they're not right. on me. i've just messaged him he's got them in stock he's going to add them to the website but he actually said to me can i send him the pictures of my 470s so he can use those as the web store pictures nice okay cool which i think it's pretty cool actually yeah. You know. um so yeah so i painted six pounds of 470s uh and then i did two pumas four verbal wins, four half tracks, rebased a Panzer Grenadier platoon, and four pack 43s, which well, technically you take one of the verbal wins away, because I only had three in the list, and that is my 100-point late war Bagration 470 army, um, which I'm pretty proud of, actually, on a little tray next to me. Um, as well, I glued green flock to the base of my army tray, and it makes it a million, look a million times better, I think. I, I, I like his way of presenting the model. I might have to do, might have to nick that idea myself. Cause it, yeah, it, I, there's another guy on the Facebook group who pasted a picture of his army tray with the same thing, and I'm like, yeah, flocked flocked army trays for the win. I like to say it stops the, it stops from moving around as well to a certain degree, which is a nice little side benefit. So. Yeah, yeah. Although now I do want to add like little magnetized trees and a fence road, and maybe put a little road on there to make it more <laughs> scenic. And we go. I wanted to get a nice wooden tray to go to take it to level twelve on those. Um, so yeah, um, stencils. I think they're amazing. Uh, the other product that I am totally in love with is the new Mig Ammo acrylic filters. Oh my god, are they? And, uh, was it? Um, of course, they're the ones I'm using are enamel, aren't they? All right. Yeah, uh, yes. So it is utterly. What was it? Adam said, "Is a filter? The filter is a thing where it, you, you use it. You don't quite know what it does, but you can tell it's made a difference after you've used it." And that, yes. is, that is such a way of saying it. So, you know, the, the new acrylic ones, um, they're in little little pots. Uh, and I found you, you, you um, it's a bit of a weird design on the, on the, the pots themselves because you open the lid, turn it upside down and nothing happens. The plastic's too hard to squeeze. And then I realised that you just tap the bottom and it comes up like a ketchup bottle. It kind of just <laughs> a, a drop. Yeah, it's, it's so bizarre. It's so not like any other bottle I've seen. So you tap it onto your palette, you literally tap the bottom and it goes like splop, splop, splop and puts drops onto your palette. And then you just wash it over the whole model and it just, you know, just filters the shade together and it ties it all together. 
any large flat panels, you know, which 470s have a quite a large number of flat panels, which can actually look like they're lacking depth. It just gradulates and, and merges it all together to really make a nice um, a nice finish on them. So I did the decals first and then put the filters on. That's what I generally do with my yeah. number ones. So. And I think that's that's well worth it. For some reason, it went a little bit weird on my Pack 43. It went a bit shiny. And I think that's because the Pack 43s I hand-painted with Vallejo Middle Stone, whereas all the other tanks I airbrushed. Right. So I've got a feeling it's a difference between there. But I think once I put a matte varnish over the top of the, the, the Pack 40s, that'll dye it back, dull it back down and they'll look fine. Oh yeah, I mean if that's if it's if it's just shiny and that's a side effect, then yeah, it's easy to fix. Like to say, a bit yeah. that. Um, so uh, yeah, no, that's my new my new products that I've fallen in love with. Uh, that and the plastic armored AA models because they are really freaking good. Is that the um, the new kit? Yeah, the new Werber Winds and Oswinds. So I built both turrets. Um, I was lucky enough; I managed to get on eBay and buy the last guy who had broken down all the bits and he'd actually had a, a extra crew sprue i managed to blag for two quid off e- off ebay <laughs> so i can actually put some crew in my Ostwinds as well as my werbel winds oh nice yeah. yeah i was gonna go back and use some spare german tank crew i had just to fill out the well i don't think you'll notice much difference to be honest because they are all you can really see is their heads bobbing above the, the side of the the armored turret i must admit i had trouble trying to get the guy on into the 3.7 gun position. I really wish I'd left the gun separate and then put the guys in afterwards and then put it in the place. But it was just like I had to chop, I had to do some serious cutting to the guys, but I sort of get him in and twist him into position. It's like, oh, okay, okay. I, actually, no, now you say that. So the seat for the whirlwind is right in the back corner. Yeah, it's easy on that one because it likes to say the gun is at the back, whereas on the 3.7, he's off to one side and it's like a little sighting apparatus above his head. So it's really oh. hard to fit him in. I had to, like, I had to really trim the figure down so I could get get it in, twist it into place. And then was... Oh, crap. But and then it, right right yeah. behind him is... The... See, I had the, I had the... Yeah, I'm looking at mine now. Same thing, I built them. And right behind, right next to him is the, the basket that catches the special yep. cases. Exactly, yeah. Oh, no. I mean, once, once I got him in, you can't see it. There's a little a bit of a scuff on his helmet. I'm going to have to go back and fix, make it like, dirtied up or something. But... Uh, I... I think I might actually put him in before I paint him. Yes, that probably makes a lot of sense. Because you're going to see so so little of yep. him. Yeah, prime, prime him first. So anything you yeah. can't see is just black anyway. Yeah, I think it's going to be a case of squeezing him in. Yeah, so no, it's been really good fun. It's been amazing painting some stuff again. Like I say, I mean, you finished at um, like 45 minutes past midnight. I know. I actually got some sleep before I went to the event. What is that all about? What's <laughs> um, the... Well, the only other thing I want to say is that the Panzerleer, Panzergrenadier models that I've used are actually from my very first ever Flames of War army. Um, and all I did was actually rebase them and finish them off to a higher standard. Um, so they all have very shiny machine guns, which I think is quite funny. Yes, yeah, so I think we're talking about on the day, wasn't it, about how when you first start, you paint machine guns like gunmetal and you find out later that really when you get down to it most world war ii guns are actually like you know just black, black. basically yeah oil black kind of yeah, yeah. so they my, my village bocage veterans have uh, taken to the tabletop once again which i'm pretty proud of i think it's pretty cool that's neat yeah because yeah your, your army was themed around the rebuilt Lear post um normandy isn't it yes and this is the kind of thing yeah not not so much teaching anymore as being taught yes 
They've, they've been taught the lesson. They've realised they haven't revised enough. They've given themselves an F. And, uh, an <laughs> Did, were they one of the ones that got away from um, fillets? Or were they just essentially destroyed? They kind I think some of them did enough that they could rebuild, but they were pretty much destroyed, I believe. And not not as much as others. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean by comparison, okay. I mean second panzer actually escaped relatively intact from fillets. So it's it's rebuilding doesn't really occur until just before our dens was sort of like um being for a lot of the fighting post Normandy but before the Ardennes as well. Yeah. Yeah. And that was obviously for a barn bash. Yes, yeah, so a noose in the front. That's what the game's been playing. You've got to do that. It's obligatory. You've got to have Morse code. Morse code, yeah. I used to do Morse code one, but yeah. I have to try to remember what noose in the front is. It's Morse code and record it or something. Oh, God. Don't. Give me flashback to work. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we got my, our friend Mike with the big barn. Um, basically invited us to what not wasn't really a tournament, more of a round robin. So it's the... It was around big, Robin, yeah. It's a big barn bash, big barn, big, big barn bash around Robin. The bar. Oh my god. Oh gosh. There's a tongue twister. Yeah. <laughs> uh, as as was proven by me, friend, yes. Um, and so it's basically it was us three versus three of the Bryson lot. So Mike, uh, Nathan, and Gav, who are all version three Flames of War players, and they're sort of getting back in the saddle now with version four having cracked over lockdown to start getting the World War II toys out of retirement. But, but Flames of War is dead. I don't understand, Lee. I know, it's crazy. Um, and so, yeah, we got we just got, rather than having one big table and one big game, we actually just put three, six, well, eight by four tables, but then taped off to be six by four. Yeah, space is a glorious thing when you're playing a game. Oh, it's nice having a little bit of space off to one side, just on, oh, yeah. And, yeah, basically just played, played everyone on the other side. We played Axis versus Allies, so... Us three will end up being Germans. Yeah. Um, yep. And then, yeah, so we went and played all, everybody on the other side once. And we played each a table. On a different once. table. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We, so technically, it was kind of like a shoot and scoop podcast event where it was like, play the podcast hosts, only you <laughs> that. It just kind of happened. Because <laughs> yeah. we all volunteered to be Germans or what told me Germans. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, it was. You were the bad guys. Yeah. So, I mean, let's just talk about the forces we had. So, Obviously, Eddie, you had your Panzerleer, as we were just discussing. Yeah. Um, Duncan, you had your 21st Panzer, didn't you, with um, some Beach Defenders? Yeah, I had, I had the Boots Stood Company and the 352nd. Yeah. So you had you had some um, of the Pack 43 Barn Doors, didn't you, in support? I did, yes. Yeah. Pack 43s, because that's what they had. Um, yeah. Not not the Cruciform ones. Um, some Flak... 36s um and then uh, a company a platoon sorry of the romanian r 35s because they did they did actually have those things what we're discussing they, they're not in the list but they, they did had, have them i think they had a couple i think they had literally two vehicles um <laughs> that are vehicles still knocking around but yeah they're not they're not in there they're not they're not as pervasive as the um a hundredth uh, as that's advertising yeah and, and in fact, they, they proved to be um, exactly how they were in real life, entirely useless. <laughs> what? What is this? As, yeah. uh, as an interwar tank only being. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, well, I can only speak for the one game they turned up. So what even we'll get on to that. Games. No. Oh, dear God. Which I'll go into. Yeah. yeah. And then, it's on uh, an excruciating length. Yeah. 
And then my force was basically, um, as the article on the blog talks about today, was um, basically Panzer Fours. So a Panzer Four company, which was a HQ Panzer Four, a big Panzer Four platoon, a small Panzer Four platoon, a small Stug platoon, um, two Ostwinds, and then some Wesps and Pumas in support, along with the Sperver, um, Sperver Burned card, because using the Bagration list, which gives me a little reluctant veteran Panzer Grenadier platoon, which doesn't count. Uh, which doesn't count towards your points for being on table. So it's like a, basically an extra 13 points on table, um, which meant I could put the large pants between my reserve when I needed to. Yeah, so I mean, so the reluctant thing for me, unpinning, you know, are, are they just going to sit there and not do anything? Is what is that why you've got them? Yeah, because I, 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 most of the time, I just want them to hold my own objective. Cause I figured I'm going to be being most of the time manoeuvre games where I'm going to have to worry about my objective is where's the enemy's objective yeah and then what i've got here is a block of mg teams so if i'm pinned i just go from rate fire three to rate fire two they've all they're all packing panzerfaust and they've got a panzer <laughs> strike as well is that a panzerfaust in your pocket or are you just pleased to see me yeah they're not they're not that um cheap though are they well it's like i say because it's um it was 10 points before the upgrade and like i said i gave him panzerfaust and well, upgrade either way it was um by the time I give them a Panzerfaust and Panzer Shrek, they go to about 13 points for, yeah, for yeah, a last one. It is, but it's it's basically almost three points because it's not cancelled my reserve. So, As you've said the word mm. Panzerfaust about 15 times, can I just segue in with another shield promotion, which I'm not being paid for, and uh, comment that the, the Tank Museum at Bovingdon has oh my God. stuffed Panzerfausts for sale. <laughs> Plushy Panzerfaust, which so plushy you, yeah, Panzerfaust. Plushy, that's the word, a plushy Panzerfaust. So if you wanted a, a plushy Panzerfaust, um, go check out the, the tank museum at Bovingdon. Which both for, horrifies for me. Pounds. Horrifies yeah. me. Yeah, I still kind of want one. Yes. I know. I really want one. I don't know why, but I kind of do, but I don't, but I do. Um, yeah. Plushy but Panzerfaust are fun for the kids. That was proven in 1945. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh. She Panzerfaust. Okay, so you got so the, so yeah. I mean, the main point I was getting at is reluctant would would have really sucked for what I'm using my um, Panzer Grenadier platoon for, which yeah. is obviously pushing forward, getting into a building and denying the enemy um, the ability to just drive past or drive down a street because you've got you know seven Faust wielding nut jobs sitting there waiting to um, tank assault you out of terrain. Yeah, they're, they're, they're also part of your formation, aren't they? They are indeed, which makes me oh so happy. I mean, you kind of need to those Panzer Four Seventies because yeah, it's you need them to get a, almost like the mandatory formation. To, yeah. yeah, to bring the, the amount, points, points down. The amount of games I see foresee in the future where I have like three or four stands worth of my Panzerleer left and two Ostwinds hiding at the back of the board. <laughs> Going, this all fine. This, 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 fine. This, this, this is rubbish. I hope those Pack Forty Threes can destroy something pretty soon. Yeah. But yeah, uh, so the one the one game where I actually tried advancing the Sperver band, they as soon as they got hit by both Nathan's uh, mortars and and um, Scots, they, yep, they stopped hurt. dead and then they got pounded turn after turn because they would unpin. They was just sitting yeah. under. I probably should have, no, I, I, I could have moved them away from you. I probably or sideways. Or sideways, yeah. It's a bit I, hard because I was getting surrounded by that point. But, yeah, no, yeah. Well, it's not. It's hard not to be surrounded when you have got that many bloody tank holes. Yeah. But yeah, it was um. But yeah, mostly they just sat on the objective, and they did perfectly fine with that. I think um, two of the games, they one of the games, they barely got troubled, and the other game, they held off an assault by um, Gav's um, HQ um, Shermans. 
Miss Brits. So Eddie, you want to take us through how your how how it went for you? If we do, if we go one at a time, about how the events went. And... Yeah. Yeah. So um, first game was against uh, Mike Everest's um, Sherman. No, not Sherman. Cromwell. Cromwell. Oh, yeah, God, desert, desert rats. Rat. He was using desert rats. Yeah. Oh gosh. And uh, yeah, you only realise that probably the only reason my army is finished so well is because it's so small. Because it is, you know, six pounds of seventies, two pumas, three werewolf wins, an armor panzer grenadier. Uh, platoon and four anti-tank guns um and you realize quite how small a list that is when you start going up against 100 points of bloody reluctant veteran desert rats who are just swarming across the board <laughs> uh, with an yeah so you had a, a armored company and then an infantry company as well with some uh 25 pounders in support and we had um free for all and oh my god was he aggressive with them so it was universal carriers spearheading forward, infantry swarming around that. He had the first turn. They were right up in my face, turn one, um, which was absolutely brutal. So in free-for-all, you've got, obviously, the almost obligatory objective at each side of your board. So I kind of had to split my army up. And I really hate doing that because there's not a lot of army when you do that. No. <laughs> <laughs> so I had uh, one flank of the um, the main Panzer four seventy platoon with the armoured guys and the Pumas to try and get the armoured guys forward a little bit to sit and use the advantage of the buildings because there was a city on one side um, because there was these flames of trains. Sorry, trains of warboard is what we are Yes. It was like yeah. a yard. The rail yard. The rail yard. Um, like justifying all the trains he bought. Trains he bought. Yeah, yeah, it was a glorious board. It was fun to oh, play. Brilliant, yeah. And then um, on the other, other half, I had my... Pack 43s because they could shoot down along the train tracks with an amazing across the board line of sight um, with the Werbel Winds. And in the middle, I kind of put um, my HQ platoon to kind of either go left or right, depending on which way you pushed. And one of the things you've, you know, with those alternating deployment missions, when they have a much larger force, is you, you put all your valuable assets down and they can kind of spam their rubbish units. <laughs> but they either decide, actually, no, I don't want to counter that with this. Or, yes, I do. I'm going to put the perfect rock to your scissors over there. Um, which is kind of what I ended up. So ended up with a whole ton of infantry swarming towards my anti-tank guns. And then a whole load of tanks swarming towards my infantry. Um, How did that work out? It was really close. And it would have been much better if in the first turn, when I shot his three universal carriers and hit them all, and went straight through their armour with my Instinct 17, if I'd passed <laughs> any, any of the firepower checks, then the game would have been very different. But instead, I didn't. And therefore, I just okay. had three, yep, three universal carriers hit with, you know, 8.8 centimetre long long barrel anti-tank guns. The just went straight through one side and out the other, did no damage. So next turn, they all remounted. And about three turns later, they were able to use their piots to kill my Ostwind, my Whirlwinds. Which then meant the infantry could assault my Panzer four seventies and push them off the objective and win the game. Carriers, so get, the your, a- get your return. Carriers with yeah, the a- apex predators. Mm-hmm. They are the apex predators. <laughs> they are just oh, so annoying. I, I I feel personally responsible for this because I made Mike put the second pier in rather than taking Lucky. Yeah, and and it worked for him because he had one yeah. pit. He had one pit. He had the two pits going after the tanks. And he just drove the 50 cal carrier like he didn't care to shoot the side armor. And it was just brutal. Absolutely brutal. Um, but it was, it was one of those fun, swirly games. Um, you know, and obviously, we apparently we both had brand new painted armies for the game, so it could have gone either way. <laughs> yeah, someone someone's going to get a tonking on that, weren't they? Yeah. 
Um, then I went up against Nathan on a with his uh, Americans, and he had a M10 company coupled with a was it Sherman's? Uh, no, Stewart's. Stewart's. Yeah, yeah. two the Sherman's, but it's a Stewart company. Stewart's with Sherman's in it. Yeah. So that's just again a million tank rolls to go up against. Um, I think we're playing dust up, so we ended up with half our stuff in reserve, which worked better for me because for me that's just the, the four seventies and the Pumas. Um, and the only takeaway from that game, really, well, there's lots of takeaways and learning about how things work and kind of going is, is for some reason I put the objective instead of going, you know, long ways down the board, I put it long ways across the board, and I don't know why. I can't remember why I decided to do that, but it. Wasn't it the other way around? You went vertical rather than horizontal. And if it yeah, yeah. Hor- so, so instead of being like looking at the table from my edge, the long side going from left to right, it went from top to bottom. And I don't know why I did that, because it meant that when I assaulted, assaulted his infantry off the off the objective, when they fell back, they were still able to keep one team within four inches. Whereas if I hadn't have done that, if it had been you know flat, so to speak, then he wouldn't have been able to do it. So that was a huge kick in the teeth for just a random decision of just, oh, I'll just put it this way. Um, <laughs> it's, a, it's amazing how these small little things bite you in the butts. And, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, exactly. So um, that's that's a good lesson to learn before we go into warfare of just like basic objective placement. You know, I was very careful to make sure it wasn't within any buildings for the infantry kind of thing. Um, oh, and the other thing is I need to remember that if I, you know, I can put my objectives near my buildings because I do have infantry in this list. I'm too used to playing my Americans that have no infantry seeking the yep. build, buildings of the devil and avoid them at all cost. Um, yeah, and then the third game was against Gavin and we played Breakthrough and I put the objective right on an amazing scaled Bailey Bridge, which looked awesome and i finally got to use my half tracks and get my infantry to waz across the board um, <laughs> that bailey the, bridge got some serious traffic didn't it in it your did game. yeah so yeah. i had a load of half tracks go across it and the half tracks got blown up everyone jumped out um the guys didn't unpin so they had to move further away from the enemy as they disembarked which kind of screwed their deployment and then they didn't dig in the next turn so they all got shot to death by stewards <laughs> yeah which came off a reserve um and with the with my main platoon of 470s, you've got to look at where the reserves are coming on. I kind of got two balls in, carried away, and then they got flanked, and I lost like three of the four in one turn of shooting. Yep. Because yeah. they're not tigers. They're not. They're, that that side I'm a four just hurts, man. Yep. You have to keep the threats to the front of you. Yeah. Just play at range. Just don't point, get... point this way towards enemy. Yeah. Yeah. Right yep. towards enemy. They're claymores. I like that. <laughs> um, but the best part of that game was my pumas who. One of the Pumas got shot by an M10, which is total overkill, and killed it. <laughs> so the other Puma passed its reluctant five-up save, uh, not save, um, last stand. Yeah. Then it drove literally into the front of the M10. Because, it wasn't, <laughs> because this wasn't, I've got an amazing picture of it, because it went through a gateway to get even closer. So rather than driving, rather than driving and being uh, up against the wall, of this little courtyard the M10 was in, and being like, "Oh, I'm concerned behind the wall," I was like, "No, I'm going to have him." And it went through the gate, literally two inches in front of the uh, M10. Right. Fired its one shot, missed. Then the M10 fired its two shots back at the Puma and missed. The, the Puma then passed another reluctant last stand, then managed to oh blitz, blitz to the side armor of the M10 and put two shots straight through its side and kill it. <laughs> and I was like, yes. And then obviously the next turn it found his reluctant roll and just drove back for his iron cross. 
well, my work here is done. And yeah. yeah. <laughs> just dropped, Mike dropped. dropped and left. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, no, I love my super pumas. They, they just, you know, obviously, I think a company is ridiculous because they, a, they didn't really exist in that. Um, and you, they're not designed for that. But as a unit, a recce unit, it has the recce, but then also can do something late game. It's kind of like the, the Piat mounted universal carrier in a way. You know, it's only going to be useful in a certain circumstance, but when it does work, it's hilarious. Yeah, my, my experience with my people in the game was, was probably slightly different to yours then. Yeah, we'll get on to that. <laughs> I, I tended to be very cautious with them and not get carried away and, and spend a lot of turns kind of positioning them. And the opponent, being human, kind of normally forgets they're there and that they have a, you know, anti-tank nine shot. Yeah. And then you kind of spring the trap, you know, turn five or six. And they, actually... they do feel like a walking victory point, though. Well, they are, but you can lose one now. And especially, yeah. especially yeah. in games where you're not really, you know, you're not really a win is a win and you're not really caring about the victory points. It's not a oh, that's true. I suppose, yeah. That's a lot of fun to play with, you know. And they're, they're so bloody quick down a road. That's the other thing. You know, when you, you get a, a board set up that allows you to maximise their road movement, it's just hilarious when they cross the other side of the board. Yeah, that's, and most tables did have a decent road network on to have for you, so yeah. Yeah, although in that last game, the road network was also shelled to crap. And oh, I yeah, had, yeah. I had to get my pants <laughs> across a wall, across a shelled road. Oh, um, dear. With my HQ platoon. And, and for what, you know, fluky dice... To, to counteract the unlucky dice in game one, which meant that they died, everything died to bloody things that should not have run away. Mm-hmm. I just kept rolling fives and sixes. So my, the only cross checks I took the whole weekend, my Panzer 470s, did the first attempt and just went straight across the terrain and ended up in the flank of another platoon. Nice. Blimey. Yeah, I know. I was very happy. I, but the irony there is they did it the first attempt when actually I'd positioned them so that I could have blitzed, attempted to cross. And had I failed, I could have moved tactically. And done the same thing. Yeah, and done the same thing, giving it giving it a second chance. But uh, didn't need to in the end. Just kind of whizzed across the board. Good <laughs> God. Oh, that was it. Yeah, I could have moved tactically, tried. Had they failed, I could have followed me, tried, <laughs> and then got a third. Oh, my God. Just to try it. Well, actually statistically pass. Well, yeah. Just, yeah. You go. Just to guarantee getting across the wall. Yeah, okay, you wouldn't be able to shoot, but they couldn't see anything where they were anyway. They just needed to get across the board. So the, the time I sit there and think of all this contingency, they actually just rolled across the board quite happily. So, uh, yeah, no, they are the best little flat panzer. I love them. You know, you just got to remember, they're not they're not tigers. They're not panthers. They're flat panzers. Yeah, they're not going to be assaulting much. Well, they, the only sort they did, they kind of pulled off like a boss, which is amazing. Good Lord, really? Yeah, they went they went in and they shot because the way that you can pick off teams now when you're within eight inches, yeah, they they shot with their main guns, wiped out, wiped <laughs> out the assault, yeah, oh wiped God. out the bazookas, and then just drove in and went ha ha ha. What are you going to do now? And they had one bazooka shot, which then missed because he had three bazookas in the platoon. So I think I killed yeah. two. It was an engineering team, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, killed, so. killed two of them direct fire, and then just rolled in and pushed him back, and would have won the game. Had only I not put the objective sideways because I started within four and pushed him back, but he was still within four at the beginning of the next turn. Sorry, the end of that. And what have we learned from this? Uh, don't put the objective sideways. Because <laughs> that half inch really matters sometimes. It always <laughs> matters, I think you find. Always matters. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Lee, how did your games go? Um, fairly well. I mean, they're, they're all bloody affairs. I, wasn't, I don't think there's a single game where I hadn't lost at least 
you know two platoons but um yeah so I, like i said running a um, panzer four company uh, my first game was versus um gavin's irish irish um guards and we were yeah. playing on the, the hilly table first yeah and we ended up playing um breakthrough and that the hill that sort of running down diagonally down the center of the table sort of like um really made it difficult to choose which court to go with yeah but um I opted for where I went, and I put my um, put my Stuxton ambush, my large Panzer platoon in reserve, and the small one I positioned ready to make a move onto the objective, and then turn around, fire backwards, and try and turn back around before the third turn. Yeah. And the HQ went off in the other quarter to try and do a roadblock in case Gav tried making a rush down the road, which seemed like the most obvious thing to do. And it sort of ended up being that um, his main thrust got stimmied by the Stugs and the um, West firing at them and the Panzer IVs firing at long range. But then I felt the shooting scoop the, the Panzer IVs. So when his reserves came on, as they did literally the first turn of asking, oh, they no. found his three Panzer IVs with their butts facing. But then, <laughs> yep, Alan Murphy. Yeah, and of course he hit He's all more. three of them, mm-hmm. and then he um, only killed one, belled the other two, which frankly both got back in and they hit reverse and killed that Sherman platoon. Um, my Panzer HQ got wiped out on the second turn by the M10s firing long range against concealment. And then both were in sixes. Of course they did, and both killing the HQ. <laughs> so my Pumas oh, were desperately, ho- Pumas were desperately holding that quarter. Thankfully, the large Panzer platoon arrived and reinforced them. And then Gav at this point made a bit of a mistake in that he got a bit too focused on killing my reserves and the Pumas rather than making them move the... The objective, which was only held really by three MG stands and the Panzer Shrek. Oh, yeah. And the Panzer Shrek got killed by a 25 pounder battery. So, really, yep. just you know, three, pans, you know, three guys in the Panzer Fowls lurking around at that point. In and he prob- if he had sent the Sherman platoon and the HQ, he probably would have won it. But you know, he sort of ignored it. Then eventually, half heartedly, sends a HQ against it. Yeah. And then those two tanks, like say, Panzer Faust, um, Bell 1 on the way in. The other one does kill a team, but then the other two stands counterattack and kill that HQ. And at that point, I was, you know, his ability to take the objectives largely vapor, um, was vaporised. And then we realised, actually, there's nothing left in this formation that came to the end of the turn before. Because, oh, no! Yeah, when that, when that scene, uh. yeah I, I sort of lost track. I think it was because I killed the HQ platoon and the Sherman platoon, the M10 and the Sherman, last of the Sherman platoon and M10 platoon all in the same turn. Yeah. So what really was left was infantry and his 25 pounders. And his infantry tried a valiant piat shot to win the game kind of thing. But I mean, thankfully he failed because I realised actually that game ended a turn before with my victory. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad it didn't work. I might have given away a perfectly good victory without realising. Um, second game was versus Mike's Desert Rats on the, um, on the village table. Um, that was a fun game. It's always is against Mike. We had a lot of fun because we basically ended up bashing into each other. Well, here's the schedule. He is the schedule. Yeah, that's it. Um, and yeah, so we we are fighting. We are fighting over the um, a little, a little brawl going on between my HQ platoon and Panzer platoon versus one of his Cromwell platoons in like a little courtyard in the centre of the table. Oh yeah. Yeah, well they were sort of they were sort of having a little tank brawl, like trying to edge, get around, get get, get a cheeky shot around a corner kind of thing. There was a lot of medium tanks just exploding in that courtyard, wasn't there? There was. I think by the end of it, what was really left was my CO tank. It was just sort of came out on top and everything else around him was burning. Um, his, his little Piat um, carriers managed to take out one of the Stugs, but thankfully after that, they then returned it with interest and wiped those guys out. 
my Oswins had a stellar game that game because they um the f- the first their first shots basically take out ha- um a big chunk of his infantry platoon who then because they're reluctant being desert rats and stay pinned for about three turns afterwards. <laughs> They passed, even though they're trained because of a build card, they passed every single blitz and shoot and scoot storm check, um, sort of storm troop check. So they're constantly like, um, you know, sort of blitzing and scooting, scooting behind the terrain to stay out of sight. They got shot, but they, they got bailed and they'd get back in. So they actually, they took so much fire. And that front armor four is surprisingly good. I forgot they were front armor four. What's front armor four? Yeah. Uh, the Oswind. Oh, really? Yeah, so these little, little stewards are, are plugging away at me, and because I think tank seven, I've got a save. I was like, no. That's different to the whirlwind, isn't it? The whirlwind, I think, is three. Three, I think. It's a point. Yeah, I think it's a point better on the Oswind because it's got a slightly better ballistic shaped turret. But in the end, I killed. In the end, they killed most of my infantry platoon and the steward platoon. And then I think I got desperate on my other flank because his crusaders made a dash across the Bailey Bridge. Was expecting. He ignored. He had. He fired like, a little drive-by on the, on the panzers into the side armour, and then made a dash across the belly bridge, and then I had to get my wisp to fire over over open sights against him to try and <laughs> deal with those guys. But, um, yeah, it sort of ended up with his um, armoured formation. He had two formations, armour formation and then a small rifle um, formation. And the armour was basically, it sort of got picked apart by the Stugs and the, and the large panzers that arrived. And it ended with him basically only having a fairly beat-up rifle platoon on the objective, so he sort of called it at that point. But yeah, it was it was a good little um, game, that one. Nice. And the final game was versus Nathan on the train tracks. Um, that yep. was counter-attack, I believe, because one was an, a neutral quarter. So I used the Pumas to spearhead into empty quarter, dragged most of the army with it, so it wasn't actually in my deployment quarter, really, <laughs> everything, apart from the Wesps and the Stugs, which are sort of holding the flank. Um, got in the objective early, but then his reserves started arriving, the Stuarts started arriving, and the big massive furball around the objective. Yeah, exactly the same as happened yeah. to me. Yeah, so the, the large Panzer platoon took most of the punishment, um, but basically by the end of it, the last tank got nicked by the CO. Um, the HQ platoon, the 2IC died early, and the CO basically did well. To get, he actually survived the game, albeit getting rehorsed <laughs> twice, I think. Um, <laughs> The small pants platoon was down to one tank. The Stugs, bless them, took everything and were, all three Stugs were there at the end of it, quite happily chugging away, having taken out two Stuart platoons and most of an M10 platoon. And the Oswins, um, they lost one fairly early on, but the last one took out a couple um, M20s and then had a cheeky side shot into a, into a Sherman and killed a Sherman as well. Oh, my God. So, yeah, it was. Um, I got a little bit lucky because I think the Ostwind kept passing it safe to stay. Um, and the Wesps at one point um, had one destroyed and one bailed, but thankfully the Bell one got back in. So they said, because I think if, I, if I'd lost the Ostwinds and if the HQ hadn't remounted, actually, I said the Panzer was still a live formation. Yeah, but you'd have been a bit of, bit of bother. It was marginal. Let's put it this way. It was marginal. If, if Nathan had, if, if Nathan's M10s could actually hit, yeah. uh, I, I would have had, you know, it would have been his game quite easily. He had a couple of turns where he just would not land a hit. And if he did, they wouldn't pass a firepower check. Yeah, that yeah. the curse of the three-up firepower. Yeah, but his, um, his mortars and his um, scots basically hit my infantry while they're advancing towards the objective out in the open. Didn't do any damage, but of course, they ranged in at that point. And then every turn afterwards, because I was pinned and couldn't really get away, just I just got yeah, battered away and slowly, slowly um, those re-rolling saves, it just slowly disappeared. But yeah, it was, it was a good game. 
Uh, so I had three good games. I won all three games. Uh, I, yeah, you can't recall more from that, that tournament. <laughs> well, not really a tournament, but an event. A round robin. Right, so Duncan, how did, how did the 21st Panzer do? Poorly. So historical then. But moving on, yeah. <laughs> no, um, so, it's, yeah. It's, it surprised me because I thought for sure, because the Butte Panzers are very well optimised for, you know, with a, a, you know, pack 40s. And they do really well against all these medium armour lists, but yeah. It, it's landing and blow. It, it's difficult when they're threes and they then front armour two just means they evaporate to a stiff breeze. Yeah. What did you hit on? Uh, they hit on fours. But, uh, so every game I played had uh, reserves because I, I checked the defence stance, which I think was, you know, fairly straightforward. I played two games of Bridgehead um, and the game against Nathan, which the first one was Encounter. Yeah. So uh, that one had scattered delayed reserves. So again, the the way it, that it had been, that I had set it up in an unoptimised fashion meant that the boot stugs um, and the uh, R35s had to start off table. It's right. the only boots that got the commander. And I did it that way around because essentially then I had the barn doors and the flat 36s and a lot of the time um, he was babysitting one of the um, big guns because the formation commander can allow you to re-roll your pins. So because they're both support, he could, you know, essentially nurse them through and make sure that I tried to get as much firepower as I could out of them. Um, um, can, you, can, you just, can, can your HQ do that to a support? It, yes. Okay. We had to look this up, didn't we, Eddie? Because this this is something that we we found playing in advance, if you like. Right. The um, the formation commander can can roll f- or re-roll for anything one in his formation and anything in support. Yes. Ah, okay. So I you can't do just formation. Yeah. No, so you can't do cross support. Uh, sorry, cross formation. Allied. Yeah. So I, yeah. My my three fifty second can re-roll the boots, the eggs, and and that kind of stuff. Right. But um, but for the formate for the formation, yeah. So he was in the first game against Nathan, for example, he was sat next door to the flat thirty sixes, next well within uh, command range of their platoon commander or battery commander, shouting at them to to rally each time. Didn't always work, but you know, a four up with a re-roll is better than a four up. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that that uh that worked well. So the first game was on the hill table against Nathan, um with uh, encounter. Yeah. So he had a which did help a little bit because I wasn't awash with Stuarts to start with. Um, and I deployed my barn doors on the right-hand side and my flat 36 on the left. So the flat 36s were overlooking which meant the Bailey Bridge <laughs> didn't really come into play very much. Um, uh, so what it boiled down to eventually was um, I seemed to pass an inordinate number of four-up saves for my guns, including once they'd had ranged-in markers on them and, and all kinds yeah. of things. Like the 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 big 88 um, guns were, were operational all the way through the game, which was frankly amazing and, and I think caused Nathan some some big problems. Um, they uh, the, the flat 36s on my left uh, just were picking off Shermans at you know cross table ranges and things like that, to the point where my my beach defenders who were set up next door to them uh, got a bit cocky and wandered across the table towards the objective. <laughs> actually meant the objective, but um, were then cut off by uh, M20s arriving from reserve and then just hosing them down with 50 cow fire. But, you know, that was quite... It was a bit dicey for a thing, I, th- I think, for a little bit for him with that because it could have gone horribly wrong. Um, you know, it, it didn't in the end. And on uh, my right, um, the uh, engineering platoon for the US um, was the real thorn in the side. So they got very close to the objective on a number of occasions and it was only the 
really the R35s turning up, um, assaulting and, and killing a couple before then, um, yeah, essentially <laughs> losing a couple and then back the board. Yeah. Um, but even that little counterpunch did help me. Um, but yeah, it, it basically boiled down to the fact that neither of us, by well, it got to about turn five or six, neither of us really had any offensive power left anymore. Yeah. Um, you know, there was nothing that could go out and actually take an objective. So I was down to like, I think I've lost pretty much everything from the Stugs. The um, Beach Defenders were down to, you know, a command stand and a mortar platoon type thing. Um, Nathan, I couldn't break his um, Stuart formation because the two, the Scots and the mortars were sat in the back. And so I couldn't actually reach out and get them because they were just hiding and, and shelling what was left of my infantry and stuff. Um, and then... What his M10 formation had kind of ceased to exist, but the two M20s were again sat on my left-hand side behind a hill crest, just nursing the objective. So again, couldn't get to them. So um, it was eventually a draw. Ah. So I think I was always on the back foot. I think the only the only time I really had him a bit worried was when um, that yeah the the beach defender grenadier platoon went wandering across the table <laughs> under the cover of the A6s. Well, it's just one of those things where you think, well, they're not doing any good here. In the first thing, I'm just going to sit here and get barraged to death by the Scots. And, and there's nothing. Yeah, exactly. There's no point just sitting here next door to these guns and letting that happen. So I'll, I'll move them out. So I'll move them onto the river and then try to do a follow me in the first turn, which obviously I didn't. So the commander leapt across the river, but no one else leapt with him. And then by that point, you think, well, I can go back if I want to, or I can just nip into this little wood in front of me. So I nipped into the wood and then realized I was you know, two-thirds of the way towards the objective. So At that so, point, you'd be rude not to, right? Well, you think, well, it just gives you something else to think about, as an, you know, in the opposition. He's no longer got to fake, uh, concentrate on his left-hand, his left-hand side, my right, in trying to take the objective. He's got to worry about if everything goes squarely over there. Yeah. But pretty long shot, to be honest. But, um, yeah, it was it was a bit nasty, that M20 and M, uh, M5 Stuart formation, because the, the Stuarts were largely expendable machine gun carriers yeah it's um, a large list isn't it it is and, and they were just you know they were hopping across and you know uh what you call it a um the, the barn doors were as effective against you know an is2 as they were against the Stuart. so they're just more overkill yeah yeah but it, they were they were fine they were just hurrying away um and they just eventually i finally sort of uh got getting boxed in as well with my pack 40s which were an ambush and then ended up having ambush next door to the pack 43s so this sort of wood crammed with tank guns and then it became just sort of a death race to who could destroy each other faster you know to the point where you can't offensively do anything anymore yeah and that, that it was, was the point with the uh, with ambushes sometimes you just got to go it's not the best time but it's it's soon it's going to be the worst time yeah, lose oh, or lose it. Yeah. Absolutely, and in the next game against Gavin, that's exactly what happened. I got boxed in massively, and essentially, I, I couldn't really even ambush. I ended up with one place I could put them, and that was about it. So, it wasn't ideal at all. In fact, sometimes I think the ambush it can be a trap. Yeah, you know, stuff in ambush. Um, I know if it's not on the table, it can't die. But at the same token, you know, you can end up being deployed in some really inopportune locations that your opponent plays yeah. and what brains available to you. I mean, when the problem I played in the next game against Gav um, was that we were on the table and it was Bridgehead. So I had this huge blob of an army uh, 
basically sat in a box in the center yeah. of my deployment area. Um, and because of the trains and stuff, I had very li- limited fields of fire. Yeah. Um, and again, I had delayed, I think it was delayed scattered reserves. Please don't show uh, me. Oh, you are. Oh, no. Well, exactly. In the, in the first game, it's, uh, Nathan, um, I couldn't stop for firepower for gun teams. In this game, I couldn't stop failing them. So the first six hits on the um, flak uh, 36s, I failed all six. Oh, no. Yeah, so the Shermans sort of, British Shermans rolled up and I was like, oh, I'm not too worried. I thought he was going to direct fire smoke so that he could kind of advance under smoke and, and you know, reduce the number of hits. Yeah. Um, no, he just fired live ammunition at them and they <laughs> failed. They, he just blew them apart. And I was like, oh, there we go then. I think after the first time, operation of 88, um, and only one of them was killed by a 25-pounder. It was pretty. It was pretty horrific. But again, the 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 sort the constraint of the bridgehead scenario meant that they were all tucked up together as well. Um, and this is where my pack forties ended up ambushing, sort of on the back table edge almost on the second turn because Gav had come screaming forward with his stewards and everything and just sort of ploughed through the middle of me. Yeah. And anything to to really stop them once the flak guns had gone, the beach defenders were strung out because I had two objectives to to try and hold. Um, and then I had mortars and machine gun teams that was just essentially keeping the head down and just trying not to die. Um, yeah, it was just grisly. I mean, this, this one Stuart team just sort of wandered through, saw my command for my 352nd beach defenders, went, oh, time for you to die in front of a building. I was like, oh, okay. It's and then mad. I realized, oh, oops. It's, it's mad how that three up last stand just means they just don't run away ever. Um, yeah, it's... No, what the beach does? No, no, the um, Stuarts. Oh yeah, God, no, there was only two left. So they got hit again. They got hit by what was left of the flat guns in the first turn, um, and I killed a couple. But there was two left, and they were just quite happy roaming around. The ten dice of machine gun fire, just pinning stuff at will. Um, but yeah, they they were horrible. And then the, the British Shermans, which I thought were going to be easier to deal with in a way, than yeah. the American fire was lower. Just sort of yeah wandered up with impunity half the time and yeah i, I did we had a little bit of a chat as well because it's quite funny because gav said to me I'm, okay i'm going to fire these three shermans and this uh yeah they're going to fire with their main armament and the firefly is going to fire its machine gun at this i was like are you not better off firing your main gun against the dug in you know defenders mm-hmm. type thing oh you can't do that that's um you know it's got no what you call it no um no ahe oh, oh no no the rules change you can it's just plus one yeah like, oh okay cool so that he joined in as well then. So <laughs> tick is a hit. Um yeah, it's just it was just a bit of a it was a I think it was just a bad matchup on a bad bad board for me. Just because the train lines did just the way of how I had to deploy meant my I just couldn't see anything really to kill it. Yeah. The, the sight lines of that table, yeah, were very constricted. I mean it was fine. Well. Yeah. It was absolutely fine. If 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 I'd have rolled a different scenario, it'd have been fine and dandy because I could at least have spread out a bit. Yeah. But the yeah, I had the flat foot. I think the pack 43 may not have fired the entire game because the way they're set up, because oh, wow. I was through pack 43s because, you know, that's what they are and that's what they had, not cruciform ones. And I had to have something protecting my right hand side in case he came down there because I had to set up first. And um, yeah, they, Gab didn't come down that side at all. He just came down my left. They just sort of looked pretty. Went, oh. I think I ended up trying to range them in because I had the car that allowed to use them as artillery. Yes. Uh, I had to range them in against the 25-pounders in the end, which was... Well, at least yeah. it's a one-point update. It is. It's a very good one-point art card to have. 
um, it kind of makes the the a sham of the um, 105s though in yeah. the list. I think it works at the same price as four 105s. You don't get smoke. The 388s. Hmm? You don't get smoke. Uh, no. No. You do get an 801740 40 inch range, and you only get three guns instead of four. But yeah, I I, I do appreciate what you're saying. Um, so yeah, that was that was a resounding thumping. I don't think I I finished off a platoon in that game. Um, yeah, that would have been a, a a significant nine. Was it nine one eight? Yeah, nine nine. Yeah. I can't even remember what the scoring is now. Normally, um, but yeah, I didn't take a platoon off him. Uh, yeah, came to the last game which was mike on the hilly table and i said i was going to defend again because that's what you know that's what field felt right and we rolled the dice and it came with bridgehead again so i put the same units in reserve because i really don't have any choice about that and um, i put my minefield down on my left hand side which is you know nicely blocking off that on the left hand side um and i was a bit free and you know sort of hanging in the right hand side but um there's nothing i could really do about that it was as it was and this 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 was the game where spearhead really really shone um because obviously you're in that box and it's essentially a four inch strip down either side that you can advance and spearhead troops and i thought well i'll put my minefield down here that'll stop mike um you know getting down at least one side uh no he just drove through it on his um spearhead stewards went through the minefield lost two um but the one got through and then spawned the uh basically the cromwell company on my left the Universal Carriers did the same trick on my right and spawned the entire rifle company on my right. So I had everything paint pointing forwards, or a lot of my stuff pointing forwards, and everything was to my sides. There was not a thing in front of me, which was very disconcerting. Um, and then, essentially, the rifles, um, which were, I believe they were actually the rifle unit, because it's the, the was the yeomanry, isn't it? The actual it, unit. It, the yeah. court of something, I can't remember what it is. It's um, Fourth County yeah. London Memories. London. Yeah, and I think it's the, uh, I think they're actually, yeah, um, the rifle, as in the rifle regiment that their infantry are representing, and they just essentially rolled up my flank. They just ran through things um, to the point where the commander and his mate ran up to a plaque for 36 and shot it with a Sten gun, um, which was very interesting. Um, we had some, um, we had some Cromwells and a Firefly go through a wall and assault a, uh, 352nd and that threw them out of a house as well because they were within eight when they failed to counter-attack so that that was a bit awkward um and on the right hand side um oh, sorry the left hand side um yeah everything started to crumple the, the flak 36s um i think they got into a fight with the um some more cromwells and just yeah end up losing that trade-off i think once the the uh, artillery had been ranged in as well they just started to fall apart and the obviously the rifles arriving and then taking out the, the, the guns from behind didn't help. Um and yeah, the my reserves came on and um they were the boots dukes and they they kind of just ended up plopping in front of his uh Karamas on the left hand side and just getting yeah, getting a good seeing two six to the best trousers down. <laughs> they are not the best units coming off from reserve. Um, no. it kind of does limit them but I appreciate. I, I, I think, in retrospect, choosing defend, even though the army is very defensive, is probably the wrong, wrong answer to the uh, the wrong question. I think I should look at the uh, matrix and try and work out where we can get some leverage. Um, because even if I can get late in the first game, it's fine because at least we both had reserves. And I think it hampered Nathan just as much as me because he's got a lot of units again. Yeah. So the last thing you really want with units is, you know, 
significant um, amount of stuff stuck in reserve. Um, but yeah, the, the the second and third game with the Bridgehead just kicked me right in the cobblers. Like I said, I didn't get the um, R35s on at all. And I think, in fact, I think I'm not sure I got all of the boot stugs on before the game was over as well, which is never where you want to be, you know, losing a game before you get all your reserves on. No. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. It was, a bit, it was a bit gruesome, but uh, it's pretty accurate. <laughs> yeah. That's all you can hope for. I mean, it's, yeah. it's quite nice that all the lists had like a theme and were based on sort of the sort of real things. Yeah. Yeah. Real organizations, that kind of thing. There was no Daniel and M10Cs running around. <laughs> no, no, there wasn't. Um, no. Yeah, so um, thanks to Mike for hosting that and providing us sausages and coke. Um, thanks yep. to Tace for bringing that awesome morning spread we had. Yes. Yep. And thanks to Seb for being the tea blitz. boy and bringing the custard cream. So, so. <laughs> Is that a euphemism? The tea boy or custard cream or both? <laughs> both. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, it no, was just nice very... to play some games again. Yeah, it was like I said, it was really, really nice to like say, just get a nice concentrated day of gaming and get three games in. So yeah, three different armies each time as well, and three different boards, which is what you can ask for. Definitely, and hopefully we'll do a repeat of it. Maybe get a, an extra World Two tables as well. <laughs> now we just need to keep pushing the uh, pushing the uh, flames will crack onto other people. Who getting to play German so we can actually play allies occasionally? That'd be quite nice, yeah. <laughs> I think I about glad, Finns at this point. Yeah. I was glad Seb actually bought some Germans as well as American. He's American, so you should balance him up as well. It should be a thing. The new, guy, the new guy has to play German. Experience the uh, disappointment of playing the Germans. But I think in the end, my Germans really want to actually end with a clean sweep. And Mike came close with two wins and a loss, so. Yeah. Yeah, and after that, it was like, yeah, very bad. It was good. Okay, officer answers. Officer answers. Yeah. Um, well, wait. Before that, breaking oh. news. Breaking news from the Flames of War Facebook page. Oh. Operation Yoranverin. Bless you. Yoranverin. Choose your own adventure. So, Flames of War just posted on the Facebook page that that's right. We're going to play a multi-stage live stream event. Sorry, live stream Flames of War campaign over several weeks, and we want you to write the missions. Keep an eye out tomorrow to find out how it all works. <laughs> oh. I have no idea, but for some reason I'm super excited because they had a really funky font on the actual post. <laughs> That's going to be interesting, See, write your own missions. Yeah, I, 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 am, I am very curious about what what the intent and how it's going to work is. So it, it will be interesting to see what comes of it. So I'm going to write a load of, like, early war missions, and then they'll have to make the rule, the army list, to play those missions with it. <laughs> so therefore, we'll just get early war that way, right? Is that how that works? Uh, yeah. We can, we, can, we can try. Yeah. <laughs> we can, but try. Yeah. No, totally awesome. Well, I wonder what that's going to be. That sounds very Dungeons and Dragons-y as well. Actually, no. Do you know Pretty what? a bad thing. Yeah. I'm gonna, I haven't thought about this, but I am just going to Google what that second word was and see if it comes up with anything. <gasps> you ready for me, Greg? No! What? The second word was the code word for the German nuclear weapons program. It's German for uranium club. Oh, Europe, yeah, Europe, yeah, okay, yeah. Europe makes more sense, yeah. What? Are we going to get, like, werewolves? No, we're going to get mouses. Oh, no. Yes. Yes. Actually, Eddie, now you say that, if you actually look at the logo, it's clearly a radiation sign behind the logo of the actual thing. 
wait, I'm not looking at this. Yeah, look at look at look at look, look at the logo behind the Operation Riverine thing, and that's clearly a radiation. Uh, is a, like the radiation. The radiology. Yeah, round round all. Yeah. I'm loading. I'm going as quick as I can. Where where? I mean, I didn't notice because when I when I when I, when I went to, on Twitter, it's, the the picture sort of does that weird Twitter thing, which doesn't actually appear. Oh, there you go. Yeah, there's a big fucking flipping flipping. <laughs> <laughs> Fix that in post. Um, yeah. I'm not excited. You're excited. What are you on about? Oh my god, now I'm even more excited. Does that mean you're gonna have to hunt down uh like Nazi scientists? That would be so cool. Can I shoot Venom von Brown in the head and save my grandparents? Uh sure. That that would but that um, mean that America doesn't get to the moon. And Walt Disney doesn't get a whole range of programs introduced by a war criminal. <laughs> what yeah disney um, von braun had a program on disney on on, on disney done by disney really talking about space talking about space yeah that's kind of upsetting in a way i need to deal with that well, that it was on disney or von braun so yeah. man is the program was called um man in space apparently yeah oh dear okay. they'll roll that back and... yeah meanwhile moving on anyway that's going to be so cool that's going to be really Team Yankee World War Three. I I know you guys, you want your historical stuff, but you've still got that. But this gives me reasons to get mouses painted, maybe. Mouses. I, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how the, how, the, how the mouse actually factors into the German nuclear program. I'm, Look, I'm just throwing it in there, getting everyone super excited about it, and then enough well, people. nuclear mouse. See, I, I'm picturing I'm picturing more small scale small scale games played. Um, you know, we're using like special for OSS versus like you know Germans in Norway, and you're going on massive super tanks. <laughs> yeah, but you can put the two. Is it, OSS is it a nuclear super, super tank though? Versus nuclear super tanks. That seems like the one side one side games you get with playing ogre more than anything. But okay. <laughs> Steve Jackson yeah. and Battlefront have a new collaboration. Yeah. Oh, mate. oh God! Be, shut up and take my money. <laughs> Steve, is it is it Munchkin but for Flames of War? Oh. <laughs> Never pick up a duck in a trench. Um, oh my God! <laughs> oh. Yeah, so yeah, we'll find out more tomorrow. But I'm actually, well, I say probably about three days previous to this releasing. Uh, <laughs> unless I can edit this super quick tomorrow morning, and therefore if, you'll find out more today. If you, if you tomorrow, yeah. yesterday. If you edit it, I'll I'll get it up. So uh, you get it up tomorrow. Okay. Hey, that's what she said. Um, so yeah, there so, we go. <laughs> that was last minute loose lips sink ships random renting about news. That's kind of cool. That's um, odd. It's, it's out of nowhere. It's left field. It's going to be interesting. Yeah, okay. there was no pre prelim to this, was there? No, no. Just, out of nowhere. Wasn't expecting it at all. It's kind of why it's exciting. I like that for once. Just this whole like everything's going to be delayed. That's going to be bam. Here you go. Have something to froth about. Not that I like frothing about hobby. Yeah, cute, Eddie. Yeah, cute Eddie. Yeah, boing, boing, boing. Uh, and officer answers. So we have some questions from our Patreon supporters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, first of which is Jacob Hopkins who asks because we now oh should we talk about Discord yes yes yeah, sorry we should quickly do this um, can I have another WWPD throwback where you get the clink noise they throw their token into the glass do you remember that yeah, yeah I, I know we used to listen to oh I miss him I miss him so much Luke come back hot pants Luke oh proper nostalgia I, I realised how long ago that was and now I feel really sad anyway um, yeah Discord yes so um um, due to popular demand, or at least one person asking, we now have a Patreon Discord channel. So, if you are a patron 
and your Discord is linked to your Patreon account, you should get added automatically. And we, we call it Monty's Meat Grinder because, you know. That's might, hilarious. Let's use that joke as often as we can. Um, and we got like little you know, little channels set up for talking Team Yankee, Flames of War, talk what painting. Um, we've got an Officer Answers um, channel. So if you, uh, if you have a question, an Officer Answers that pops in your head and it's not time to write down, you can put yep. it there and I'll try and do a sweep of it before every episode just getting it popped up. Um, you'll never miss an officer answers yeah we got a suggestion box that you can put in any ideas you've got for top fives or you and whose army or perusos and occasionally i'm on the voice channel just doing some painting so should we yeah we do that as well should we do should we do a rate rate my list as well yeah we can do that so you can yeah if we create a group or i guess you can put your list in the officer answers if you're a patron supporter and you put your list in the I'll just, create, I'll just create a channel right now. There's now a rate rate go. my rate right. my list channel. Ratemylist.com. Yeah. I give it three Hamagarians. Yep. Uh four flat plansers out of four flat seventy. Four flat plans out of four. That's not as good. It's four seventy. So it's four flat plansers out of seventy. It's actually the highest grade you can get for a flat plansers list. That's a very confusing list. I kinda wanna do more now. What more flat plansers? Yeah. I kinda want a horde of flat plansers. Or do I put Hetzers in support because they're also flat plansers? I think you can do some Officer 470s. They'll be, they'll be in the, the Bulge books, won't they, and the Panzer um, the divisions? Yeah, yeah. I think it, you think it's cheaper. They become like, you know, hit on threes. I, t- I just want a list where I can have Panzer 4s and Panzer 470s in the same list. Oh, it, should, it, should, it should occur because there were formations that had those mixed up together. But yeah. I think then you could have a bit like the list I just done, but have instead of having the, the Stugs and, and the small Panzer 40 platoon, maybe have a platoon of Panzer 470s just gives them harder hit in power, but still have the HQ pan, the Panzer 4s and the big platoon of Panzer 4s back in the Was there what is the artillery piece that is based on a Panzer 4 chassis? Is there one? Panzer 4 chassis. It's not the Hummel, is it? It's the Hummel. Is it Panzer 4 or Panzer 3? So the, 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 Nash, Nash, the Nashorn and Hummel are based on what's called a Panzer 3 4 chassis. Because a Panzer 4 hull with Panzer 3 running gear. Okay. So could if you could have your Panzer 4s and your 470s and your Ostwind slash Verbalwind as AA and your artillery, can you have an entire Panzer 4 chassis based army? I, I think you yes. should, yes. Yes, that's going to happen. <laughs> Panzer IV sure. is Panzer. But no Panzer IV recce. Well, you can have an OP, but... <laughs> no, that's a Panzer III, isn't it? Yeah, but you can use a Panzer IV chassis. I'll let you do that. I'll put. A, I'll make you a Fez command card. A, st- a stipulation that says you can have... Replace your Panzer III OP with a Panzer IV OP with 20 points. <laughs> that sounds reasonable. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Battlefront. Um... So, back to Patreon questions. Jacob Hopkins asks, yes. what is your advice on recreating Panzer Division Hermann Göring? Oh, in my wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. In my wheelhouse. My regiment faced off against them and their fellow paratroopers during the Italy campaign, and I'd like to do a game about that sometime. Okay. So, you need the Fortress Europe book. Do you have to wear a baby blue uniform with flamboyant accessories? No, because they weren't blue. No, but, but yes, wasn't he? It's what's got that sky blue abomination? Yeah, yeah. The, uh, the giant. Yeah, you also have to wear one of those pregnancy suits. Um, <laughs> They've got an elasticated waist. Yeah. 
boing. Um, but yeah, you need the the Fortress Europe book uh, because it gives you access to like the Panzer Three for the Germans. I don't think I'd recommend using. I did think about this. The the is it the Romanians that can have Panzer Threes as well? Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't think I'd recommend using that because it doesn't really reflect the fact that they were pretty well trained. Um, you have the uh, if you can still find them, the SDKF said two fifty one slash seventeen Cs, which are the um, half tracks with the twenty mil cannons in um, that they use for anti air support that Hermann Goering had in Italy. Is that, um, that single twenty mil cannon? Right? The single twenty mil cannon, and it's with the C version, so it had the flip down sides. It had like a bucket. Um, yeah, they're cool. Yeah, they are super cool. I've got some to do for oh, my Hermann Goering armored strike command mask. Oh, they are they're just glorious, but they're. they're awful obviously in game but you know they look brilliant and you can do them obviously with the two centimeter flat half tracks and then just replacing them with the armored uh, card so you can use those as a good analog um fine yeah um i think i'm trying to remember now i think that ends i think that panzer four ends and m's that rings a bell so you can do that there's no there is no analog for obviously doing that concertina wire uh, deployment oh, stuff um but you can yeah you can kind of do it because there's i think there's a card is there a card for static defenses or something like that i can't remember now it's one it's ones for having like um machine gun nests and stuff like that so. it, yeah Dug in tanks yeah exactly so you can use like uh panzer four turrets and things like that or even panther turrets as dug in tanks actually um and the other thing you can have is the elephants um, if you're using Fortress Europe, I think from memory they can have access to the Ferdinand. Obviously, that's not quite an elephant, and the elephant does exist now in game. But you know, it gives you a fairly good analog if you want to include those. I think they used the Nashorns as well, didn't they? Well, the Nashorns were on the Italian Peninsula, Can't so again, remember. you can you can throw some of those in if you want some extra anti-tank. But yeah, the Fortress Europe book, for all its limitations and shortcomings, um, can still give you a good. Italy uh, list for the for the Hermann Goering division. Awesome. The wazoo. And then obviously Fortimega up the wazoo. Yeah, actually, I was just thinking because they were in Tunisia as well, weren't they? So you could potentially use like one of the mid-war books as well if you wanted to do Tunisia and Sicily because they were on Sicily. Is it yeah. above? Is that the mid-war Fortimega book? That is, yeah. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, so again, they were um, what's his name? Can't remember the Panzer. Uh, sorry, the Power Fortune Mega guy's name. Von der Height. Von der Height. Oh my gosh. I think I we think he was in Tunisia. He was indeed because he was at Eben Emel and then went on and did the only glider assault as well at, um, in Tunisia. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. They, were, they captured the bridge, wasn't it? Yeah, capturing a bridge. They did a reverse um, Pegasus. <laughs> See, the Standerson did it first, man. Way cooler. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah, Jacob, send us some pictures of those, dude, when you get them up. They're going to be amazing. Indeed. Battle Razor says, time for a cadet response. Ask us a question and we'll reply to you in the Facebook. Oh, so what, what do we want to ask our listeners? I know we're scared to ask them anything because I swear I could get us in the watch list, but... Yes. Um, I want to know, what would you rather play... So, in a weekend event, would you rather play against someone's a a game meta breaking awesome list or a historical based 
beautifully researched and amazingly painted army. <laughs> I, I feel like that must be if you had to play if you had to play someone using um, one of the lists we've seen for what, what's the competition? What's it called? I can't remember what it's called. It's not the ETC, it's something else. SF, BF, DF, Yep. So you come to the table and you find out the table. How much of a run up do you want before you kick him in the nads? <laughs> <laughs> you, you can answer in inches or you know, in inches or meters. You no, know, we're, we're yeah, happy yeah, to take yeah, metric and imperial. Yeah. But your 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 question's better. So which would you rather prefer, a game or historically uh, an historical list? I like that. Um, so what? So if you guys then like say if you when I put when I put this post up on the various places, Patreon, Facebook. Answer the comments and we'll um, discuss it on the next podcast. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry, my laptop battery died. Yeah. Oh, Second use with Duncan. Never. I know. I know. I'm now, I'm now, I'm now on a third device. Right. On the bright side, you're, you're not so distorting now. So you... <laughs> Yeah. Oh, happy days. <laughs> um, Panzalier, oh, good old Panzalier, soft spot in my uh, asks. Are there any less? Oh, here we go. This is quite funny. Are there any less? Are there any lists which, when you see them on the other side of the table, make you groan? Either because you know it will be a dull or one-sided game, or because they're so overdone. Mine was the mid-war armored car spam for a while. Oh, yeah. Beatable with the right list, but simply not that fun to play against. And a follow-up: How do we all, as members of the Flames of War community, encourage? comments quotes interesting lists um yeah Good question the the, the mid-war armored car car slash italian m whatever it was list a ab41 and it um it was the uh tankettes l l3 was, yeah but it was the ger- they did a german german armored car spam with the 222s and the 221s yeah the tankettes and i went to warfare and i played i actually got it you know some, someone got a bit upset i think because they Rightly or wrongly, that was their only army, and they were excited to play Flames of War. And obviously, I came up against this list and went, "Oh, yeah, you're one of those guys." Yeah, and I think they took exception to be called one of those guys, which I apologise for, you know. But but you stand by your comments in a way because I don't know who sits there and goes to a Flames, of, yeah, goes to a World War Two historical game and goes, "I want to play armored cars and these small tankettes and hundreds of them." Because to well, me, that's what World War Two is. Yeah. Unless it's like if, my grandfather served in this armored car yeah. regiment, and I knew that they teamed up with this tankette in this historical battle. That's completely different. But also, I mean, you've got to cut someone some slack if it's their first and only army. I think. Why'd you pick that as a first and only army if you don't want I to don't just? Know. Win? I I somehow lucked into a meta a meta list. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I did just Google this and look for what was the most effective and then bring it to the table, honest. The nice thing is, at least with Flames, you can't, you, you can, sure you can build your army by looking up what the meta is, but you won't, you won't win it automatically by coming to it, you know, with a list built, you know, it's like 40k where you come with, you yeah. know, like a list, an internet list army. You can do that, you'll probably get beaten by someone that actually knows how to use um, a, a more suboptimal army, but knows how yeah. to use it. I mean, if I'm honest, with my hand and heart honest, I was also a little bit devastated that, you know, you guys... Duncan Bale was at the last minute, and I was on my own. I was really looking forward to playing games, <laughs> so uh, I was I wasn't in the best mood to be playing games, and you know I think that came through. No, I was there. I was there on that tournament. I was there at Warfare when that happened to you because that was the same. We took the Tigers, didn't we? No, no, we didn't take the Tigers. This was the one after the Tigers. Oh, because well, you, you played the Armored Car Company as the Tigers. Yeah, I did, and crushed them, and it's hilarious. Yeah, 
because uh, I killed two uh, two three one half tracks. So I think the other thing Across that made me groan recently when I saw it was the uh, the tigers with the fins. Ah, oh, right. Yes, yeah, that, 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 that's worse than that. It was a German recce company that had SS tigers in support what? plus an allied Finnish T twenty six company. What? Just made me that's, sad. It made me yes. sad in my tum tum. I mean, I'm super looking. So I, I was luckily at um, Salute War Game Show about five years ago, six years ago. I managed to score a Tiger's Marsh box set yeah. for £20. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and the only thing it didn't have was the dice. Oh, which are re- largely redundant. Are redundant now. And I had millions of them anyway. Um, so I'm looking forward to doing my proper... Whitman War Crimes Tiger Force. Camp Recruit Hummel. Yeah, yeah well, I think. I've got the 13 Tigers already. Well, let's let's look at each of the main protagonists. Is there a list for, like, in the late war for the British that you think, Bleh. I think it's got to be Churchills and M10s and armor cars, right? I think, I think it's. Uh, but, but yeah, the, the Daimler, the Daimler armor car thing, then supported by maxed out 17 pounders. And then if you can fit them in crocodiles it's... oh hi mark how you doing <laughs> sorry mark i don't mean to keep being bring this up on you but <laughs> so that's, that's, that's pervasive in the british the the soviets with uh churchills from fortress europe and then uh is2s and panther decoy company yep uh for the, the germans i don't know if there's anything for the germans that comes I mean, up pa- i mean pack front is oh, pick, yeah. pack front there you go yeah, it's pack front. It's, it's not really paired up with anything. It's not like the armoured cut, like the Pumas or anything like that, become as pervasive as the Daimlers have. But certainly any German list backed up by pack fronts. Being... Yeah, do you have 12 points? Right, you're putting pack front in and flat assault on some 88s and whacking them in a list. Because they're, yeah. Yeah. They're objectively better than other things. Um, what are we left with? The Americans? I don't think the Americans have got as big a problem. Uh, yeah. I can't. I can't really think of anything that gets close to it. M12? Mm, <laughs> I, I, I object to them just being on the board more yeah, than, exactly. than being that's, overpowered. That's kind of yeah, they're, they're, not, they're not a meta thing, but yes, it is one of those things where you go, yeah, should yeah. this actually be in this game? But yeah. I mean, I know why they are, because like I say, they use the whole you know, breast thing in a, in a technical level, but it's so niche. And by putting it in there, they just get used in ahistorical ways. I think that's that's... That's the gripey thing, isn't it? Sometimes you look at things and go, "Well, that's never gonna, that never happened ever anywhere, potentially." Yeah. I don't know. It's not even that. It's just not like things like the pack front just aren't fun. So for the follow up, then, how do we encourage interesting? Well, you you arrange events uh, playing the way that you want to be playing. Yeah, be the change. And I think actually mine from the blog's got the right idea as well, which is if you take something competitive-ish. But then having a historical grounding on it somewhere, so yeah. you know, try and try and be historical and play someone and and just try, yeah, hearts and minds, people, hearts and minds. <laughs> um, but I think I think you're never going to stop it because if it, if you're putting yourself in a competitive environment and the rules pack allows it, if it, so, you know, say this is an event, then then you're you're paying your money to attend, and you've got to attend on the assumption that knowing things like that are going to exist. Yeah. If it's a friendly games night, I would have a word with my opponent if it happened to me more than once. So once yeah. is fine, and then I think I might have a little word and go, hey, "Look, I'm not being fine. That's a bit of a dick kicking list. Can we can we try and tone it? Or 
I'm, or I've done it with you guys before. I've just said, this is what I'm bringing. And you've gone, oh, okay, well, I'll bring something that's vaguely comparable historically. And then we can... Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a big yeah. advocate of, if you can arrange a game before time, sit down and play and go, look, I want to play this this period. This is roughly what I'm going to be taking. What do you yeah. fancy? You know, have you got something we can work in that period? And just do a lot of, do a bit of pre-game negotiation. Not so tip all, tip your hand, as it were, but, you know, you can say, look, I'm going to be running Panzers. I'm going to be doing it in 1943 Kursk. And then when the opponent comes, you're at least expecting to bring a Soviet force or some sort of that kind of thing. I mean, the, the thing there is, obviously, it, it amazes me how many people sit there and say, no, 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 you know, that that's limiting the amount of games, that's limiting the collections and stuff. And then at the same time, we'll collect an entirely new army based upon the fact that they watched one episode of Band of Brothers. I, d- I don't think once someone's passed their first army, anyone in this hobby's got an issue with buying more stuff. Yeah, <laughs> and actually having it work with someone else's collection is actually pretty cool. Uh, well, this is it. I mean, this is why I've got a big deck army because the, the person I play against most is Luke, and he's got a big uh, desert rat army. So it doesn't. It didn't make any sense for me to go out and go. Do you know what I'm going to collect? I'm going to collect Americans. <laughs> Do you know, do you know, ironically, what play, playing that the big barn bash of all this late war this may want to do? Play mid war. Play mid war. Yeah, mid war is awesome. Mid war is awesome. You know, I'm, um, I'm super excited for late late war bulge, but I'm also super excited for mid war. Yeah, I might I'm start excited for late late war bulge. I'm not going to lie. I don't want to struggle with that. Yeah, but it's not your jam, though, is it? It's not really my jam. That's why I'm, I'm, I'm interested in Blackcock. There's what a soundbite is, for you, Eddie. What is this? Because I don't want to Google that because I'm on my work laptop. No, you've got to look up, just got to look up um, Battle of Battle of Blackcock or BBC as it's often abbreviated. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's, it was at the Stepsister program as well. Yeah. Um, I've, got, I've come to fix your refrigerator. Yeah. Uh, so Operation Blackcock was um, was basically... Blackcock and stepdaughter no it was it was uh, essentially it was a straightening of the line in january 1945 by the british um, and yeah. there was a pocket of i think it's called the ruhr triangle yeah and, and essentially the british sent three four divisions to straighten the line um desert rats uh 52nd infantry and another couple which i can't think off the top of my head is the 52nd no they're the lowlanders Lowland. yeah yeah oh, 51st cool. is the highlanders but yeah it's, it's it's just it goes back to that winter you know, nothing happens in the winter in 1944-45. Well, yeah, actually, there's quite a lot that happens actually, in it's quite the a winter. Lot. It's just so much going on. Yeah, um, but it's not really not, it's not my jam. But yeah, I'd like to go back to mid-war as well. I've got my Italians now. I've got a paint. I'd like to play some Italians. That's what Italian parachutisti. So hey. I'm, think, I'm thinking about doing a deck that goes forth. Make it your fourth one and fourth edition at Dyson at some point later yes. this year or early next year. So I need to oh. talk to Axel about it and work it out and make sure they've got enough desert boards to see how many tables well, you can get. Well, yeah, stuff as well. Fun. Yeah, we've we've got a load of desert stuff from the mid war yeah. tournaments we were running. Exactly, I've got those two big boxes of terrain stashed away in the big barn. I can get back to Dyson. So yeah. we got we, it's more that they got enough mats. I mean, oh, you got mats, haven't we? I yes. got a load of mats as well, buddy. This is this sounds like a you know, <sighs> Man, I'm running out of excuses not to do it now, aren't I? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, you heard it, you heard oh, it here wow. first. That that goes forth becoming. I can use my home and Gary Stugs. Yeah. My Italian Stugs then as well. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, we'll, 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 yeah, we'll call it mid-war Sicily and desert and stuff. Yeah. So am I, am I adding a mid-war British tank list to my yes blog to play against your Italians then, Dunk? Uh, if you want. I mean, they're 
the, the parachute regiment, so I think they're more Tunisia than they are the desert, I think. I can't really remember. But yeah, we can do that. So what would be the British, what would they fight against then? Shermans. I've already got I think them. you've got them. Yeah, that's yeah, what I mean. I think you've got them. Quite, it's Sicily will be all it'll be Sherman and um, well, oh, I did them for Italy, so they're already in camo. Hey, better. Oh, oh, there we go. Easy. Yeah. All right, then I'll do Italians as well because I've already got the mid war army to fight against you and my Shermans. What right. was the question? The question was <laughs> when is Dat Dat Go goes forth in fourth edition? Lee, uh, whenever I can get it to aligns with a school holiday of some sort. <laughs> is there a school holiday in February? Yes. Yeah, half turn. I, I need a half turn because there'd be no ballet going or stuff like that. February 2022, so. then. There you go. That deck goes forth. Right, okay. yes. Yeah, so I'll, I'll start trying to work this out. Oh, my God. What well, we like can host it if Dyson. I thought Dyson would be It's more my availability I need to work out. But... Yeah, but you've got annual leave. It's fine. Okay, next question. <laughs> Martin Turner asks, "What? Do, oh, this is very topical. What do you think of the current trend in publicly post- posted tournament lists Filled with one or more multiple light armoured unit formations, backed by the maximum number of high anti-tank. What do I think about it? It's making me think about planes again. That is true. Air support with 50 cows will rinse a lot of these formations. Or just, oh, I'm going to range in on a five. That's fine, because I've got this template, and I'm just going to fire my rockets at you and watch you explode if I do actually range in. Um, I'm going to pick your brains for a second. Okay. I've been thinking about this, and I... My armies don't tend to suffer from it, so which is why maybe there is a loophole or a thing that I'm curtailing. What would happen if if you had a single company break? So if you had multiple formations and you yep. had one formation break, yep. that then forfeited you get the game. Like how it used to work in um, version three when you, yeah. if you had multiple companies, one breaking was enough to lose the game. It, it wouldn't it wouldn't solve the problem because no. not all of them are based on one company. Or multiple companies. Yeah, like the British one is based on a single formation. The Danes is by support. Yeah. Oh, is it? Oh, yeah. Jeez. And then you still get like 20 million Daimlers. The, the, it's because it's based on the command card, which allows you to have mortars and carriers and Daimlers, and they're all in formation. They're all I think in. I'll be able to have an infantry thing. To be honest, yeah. a lot of the wackiness comes from the command cards. So you just ban command cards. However... Banning command cards yeah. Yeah, is a crying shame in late war because it also adds all the flavour into the units that are standard. So maybe what you build, you ban is formation formation build cards. So you still keep titles and all the other stuff, yeah. but, you, but you lose the formations, most of which are kind of cool from a flavour perspective, but they seem to be the ones that can be abused the most. I, th- I think the problem is then you end up with things like Breaching Group, which I don't think is no, Breaching Group would be banned. Uh, it, it's not to go P, no, but... Um, you know a breaching group is designed for something where you're playing a mission with fortifications and when they, you know a breaching group wouldn't just roll up to the middle of an, a random line like your average list is supposed to do i think uh, mm. I, I, I know i think it's the change that makes the least second the, the least unintended consequences is to ban the formation card yeah. I know it's I know it is some there is some collateral but it's not as much as say banning all um, cards I think the other thing to do, maybe we ban allies, either formations or units, which again, it kills some flavour, but mostly what I'm seeing with it is mostly being abused, adding like a cheap German tank, you know, a cheap Axis allies tank listing. That's 
Yeah, yeah. In, in the tournament setting, if you were going for just min maxing, that's gonna just get abused if it can yeah. exist. It's like yeah, you know, the British backed up by an, by a, you know picking the mark again, um, and then an M forty six, you know, M four seventy six um ally platoon kind of thing, which can be done quite cool because if you're doing an Italian themed force and have them as a way of getting in the British ones, which were used late in Italy, but if you're just using it and then putting in an American unit M forty seventy sixes. You're not doing it for cool. You're doing it for effect. Uh, yeah. yeah, I think yeah. Uh, I, I think you don't have these restrictions at something like a grand tournament. You know, if you're going to a grand tournament, fine. I don't like it, but you know, you should be going. It's like you know, you are if you're going to a grand tournament. You're going because you want to play that kind of game. Exactly, but like a a local tournament, I probably would think about banning. Yeah, you know, banning formation command cards and allies. Maybe well, maybe Alex. Again, I'm debating that one. No, I, I, I kind of like it for middle war games with the Italians. Yeah, yeah, but again, I I think if we're talking late war, I'd ban them. Yeah, I'd ban the allies. And yeah, I don't even think, like you said, one formation doesn't make any difference, or it can't. It can make no difference. So mm-hmm. that seems a bit pointless. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't think there's any merit to necessarily like. The other thing I was thinking about is something I did with. Um, the Renick Crawley was making people base their force on something historical and have to bring evidence of that almost. You have to do your homework and bring it. Yeah, it was like, you know, write a couple of paragraphs on the history and what, you know, yeah, that's quite yeah. cool. Just you know, throw that in, that stops some of that um, ridiculousness because you can't be ridiculous if it didn't exist. And if it did exist, then well done for you for finding it. Yeah. Yeah. Before we move on, we did miss, we, we missed out one of the Patreon questions, Andrew David's question. We did, didn't oh, okay. we? What was that? Yeah. I apologise. Well, yeah. well spotted. Oh, leadership. What's going on there? Andrew David asks, I, what I'll do is I'll edit this in later, and then yeah. uh, I'll, I'll make you sound really silly, Lee, for saying something. Like, no, I didn't. We totally covered it. <laughs> yeah, what are you talking about, you now. <laughs> Andrew David asks, if we do eventually get Checkpoint Charlie, and with it, a broader World War Three slash Team Yankee universe... How do you think Battlefront should integrate Fate of a Nation into that larger game? Should it become Oil Wars the early years? <laughs> it sounds like a prequel TV show yeah. straight to uh, straight to straight, video. Straight to DVD, yeah. yeah. Or as an actual historical event, should it be kept separate? With your love of Foen, what do you think would be in its best interest? Don't, don't Put, mess with perfection. <laughs> I, I think you just merge it all together. Because I mean... <gasps> Well, look at Oil Wars in itself has the historical element and it has the Iran-Iraq stuff. Yes. There's nothing stopping you having Foan in the larger Checkpoint Charlie. And people are already doing like you know, the Foan versus Nam style tournaments. Oh. And it's quite cool. Again, it's one of my, on my list of things to do. Is, what a uh, river. River fight. A river fight with BMPs versus Riverine. Yeah, we keep saying about this. Uh, this. I, the only thing that would worry me about throwing it together is if they revisited any of those lists in a negative way. Because I yeah. think the lists are very balanced at the moment. I think they're very, mm-hmm. they're very good and self-contained. I think that's part of the joy of it. Um, I th- but actually, I think, yeah, I think if you just throw them into the mix, mm. more I options think, is better than less options. Yeah, I, I think there's still work against the sort of peer Soviet forces or peer NATO forces. I think the fit lists that struggle, the NAM list, because they, they generally have a dearth of um, high-end anti-tank. Because they weren't needed. Well, they've they, got they their didn't own, need it. Exactly. Their own yeah. wacky rules, haven't they? As yeah. Well? So stuff like early tow missiles and anti-tank like weapons would, you know, could have been put on the Cobra, weren't, because they just weren't within them. So maybe with a NAM list, and that kind of cuts back to there being like a generic Checkpoint Charlie American list. No, that kind of thing. Yeah, might, but 
But thinking about it, could you not just have a NARM command card pack to put that in? Like, you know, different, op- you know, different operation theatre. Command cards in Team Yankee, they're ridiculous. Yeah, but, but there's, only, absolutely, there's absolutely nothing from... you could do with command cards in Team Yankee. Pete, <laughs> Pete, Peter said so, and he's got a boat. No, so command you know what... cards, but in <laughs> Fate of a Nation, Fate of yeah. a Nam. Fate of a, fate of a fate of, Nah, that's brilliant. I, think, I like that. There we I go. Think, so, so, yeah. No, no, I think I think Nam though. Nam's got its own special rules and things. I'm not sure if you could include that, could you? No, it does. People, which people, is why be... you then have a, a a a command card pack that morphs it into a standard? E- either gives you the ability to use, you know, the the Western nations in Nam as standalone armies of that period. Yeah, but I think standard warfare conflict but then also you know and gives you the ability to go okay these extra special rules get twisted into this or conversely where you have like the guerrilla warfare elements you have something that tweaks it to work against the forces that they encountered in fate of a nation mm, well, i think fate of a nation, fate of a nation just transposes over that's no problem well, no, I mean, the, the norm thing is asymmetric warfare, though, isn't it? So, no, it is. That's what I mean. So when you have the asymmetric... So, so not all the lists in norm are asymmetric. So you need something that takes the, the, the you know, the non... The, the, the asymmetric forces, like the um, local forces company and stuff like that, and tweaks their rules to make it work against standalone, you know, T-55 companies. I think that's going to be hard. I put that in the in the it's too hard box. I think yeah. Arm stays stays separate as a separate game system. You just no, have the US You just need you just need to tweak the this. You know, you need to make sure that you know the home team are always playing on the home team's ground. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, it's, it's doable. But what's the quid pro quo for doing it? That you can use your you know Syrians versus yeah, but favor nation is not the problem. That's what I'm saying. That favor nation you just transpose straight in. It doesn't need any tweaking. Yeah, but it, it, you know. The, in that, so so when you use that against local forces, yes, you use the the NARM rule set. Well, that's what I'm saying is that that things like NARM local forces and those kind of things stay in their own sphere. You get a US list for that time period that's just a conventional warfare list because all of the favor nation stuff could just plop straight in. Yeah, that's what that's what I'm saying. So in the command card pack for NARM. It will have if you are playing against a straight up foreign force with your, you know, Sh- Sheridans, they can have the extra missiles and all the stuff. You know, your 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 co- your um, Cobras can have the missiles, have the upgrades that they would have had if they were fighting tanks. Right. So you get a pack which basically goes if you're playing against a, a force from this book, you get these options of you know Mavericks and all that kind of stuff that you'd expect. And then if you're playing with your local forces against something from Fate of a Nation, you get to use these special rules or you get to choose these missions to make it work Ooh. in an asymmetric fashion. So the guy who turns up with a T-34 horde with T-55 support actually has quite a hard game because instead of going, I'm going to play Annihilation and kill all of your poor little guys, all of a sudden he's got to start worrying about NARM-style objectives because that's the mission that gets played because that's the balancing factor between the two. Because, yeah, sure, you know, 30 guys with AK-47s and no training and no match, but 30 guys with AK-47s and no training in their own terrain against people who are not prepared to fight in that, you know, terrain is a mass- is quite an interesting asymmetric game, like you say. Mm-hmm. It's doable. I think it's doable. Yeah, but I don't think they could, I don't think they'll do it. 
No, I don't think they will, unless we, you know, bribe them enough and convince them that Pete can get any out of it. I just don't see. I don't see the quid pro quo to doing it. There is no business case. It opens. It does when you add the checkpoint Charlie stuff. Nope. Because then you can go. Okay, so I can have a what if? What if it was the British involvement in Vietnam continued, and then I could have my British force in the fifties and sixties fighting there. But then it also opens up other things where you can go. Okay, we can do um, Suez Crisis and stuff like that. You've got all these other. You know, we can essentially do Korea as well. But why can't you do Suez Crisis anyway? Because you, you know. There's not enough, I don't think there's enough inf- emphasis to do that as a standalone, when in reality, I, what, what is Korea and Suez going to be, other than just tweaks of Nam and Fate of Nation lists and Checkpoint Charlie lists, to make that work? So you do that as a whole thing, so you have this whole time period where you can mix and match as you want, and it all kind of works together with a little bit of thought behind it in terms of what missions you're playing to make it work. Mm, I'm not convinced. I'm going to make it, I'm going to get my own boat, and I'm going to beat Pete in a boat race. The boat race. Yeah. Okay. William White asks if you, so for Team Yankee, if you are attacking with a Soviet BMP or BTR infantry, do you think it's better to start the infantry dismounted and walk them in, brackets protected with smoke, of course, or start them mounted and try and deal with the traffic situ- situation when they dismount, when they dismount of trying to get the infantry and transports to have gaps to shoot through? Dismounted, they take a little longer, but there are the transports that can be deployed for better support. Mounted, they get there quicker, but as I mentioned above, you then have the traffic issues, blocking line of sight and such. So, having tried this, I don't think you get there that much quicker. No, I, I think I think the only argument for mounting up would be protection against artillery or MG fire, depending or on MG what, fire. Yeah, it's what you're advancing into. I think, like 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 Duncan says, it's it's not your tactical ten with a BMP and your Tactical eight with a dismounted infantry. So you're or right. There's a road. Or there's a mm. road. Yeah. You can't get a 13 strong BMP company moving a road. road. <laughs> well, if you, you do, have... you can guarantee some Harriers will be coming along and cluster bombing the hell out of it next. Time. So the thing, the thing I think people forget is I think the rules are written for people who are playing. You know, 24 foot table. If you have a 24 foot table and you're playing a mega game, then yes, being mounted with a road and road dash is a massive advantage over Definitely, people. Yeah. But, yes. but also, you've still got a problem, though, when you come out of Road Dash, when you deploy, your BMP company is strung out miles and stuff's out of command, and it's, it is a bit of a mess. Yeah, but then that's... That's, that's why having large units, yeah. So. yeah. Yeah, that's the downside of having this mega monolith block of infantry. I think people kind of get in the habit of assuming that when you've got this big unit, you're going to be able to get... It's all, the bene- it's all a benefit. And in reality, blocking your own line of sight is a downside that you just can't get around. It was just, you know, and it, one of the things that I've seen a lot, especially in tournament plays, people with Soviet players, when they have like 10 T-34s or whatever, and they, they start doing their cross checks and they start batch rolling. And it's kind of like, you can't do that. You've got, a, they're going through a bit of gap that's two tanks wide. First tank moves up, fails its cross check. That's now stuck in the way. Second tank moves up, fails its cross check. That's now stuck in the way. The rest of your tanks can't move through it. And that is a downside of having these huge platoons is you get in your own way and your line of sight do get blocked. The flip side is you're never going to run away because of the morale rule, you know. But I think when people play fast and loose with lines of sight and command and things like that, that's when they get the unintended benefit of large platoons and everyone goes, 
well, it's kind of pointless playing them because they always win. Whereas if you play the rules as written and kind of be a bit more strict with the measurements and line of sight and such, then you realise that the issues that they have is offset by the benefits they gain from being so big. Yeah, I think I think just on the movement thing, I think on a standard board, the standard forces, you'd have to have a pretty exceptional reason to start mounted. It depends what they're going up against. But I say, you know, mm. from my point of view, I look at what's across the board, go, what's going to shoot them? If it's high AT, then yeah, no, get out and run. If it's a ton of machine guns, sit up inside your transport and suck it up. Mm, I'm not sure. Only because like your transport's also, if you, if you die in trans, oh, your transport's died, then there's a really good chance you're not walking out of that as well. Oh, you got an infantry save. So yeah, it multiplies the hits. Your BMP is not saving squat pretty much with their armor, are they? Well, they are. Your BT. Oh, that's the thing. Well, yeah. Or, sh- or artillery, like like B says. I think I think I err on the side. Okay, there'll be occasionally a reason to be mounted, but generally be fighting yeah. dismount. But it's way cooler. Mm, is it? Is it? Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know it is. Okay. Replicate. <laughs> uh, Poku Project asks, "Why have five German books when all you need is one good British one? Because without the German books, the British one does no one to fight against." Uh, no, you're just doing Operation Unthinkable at that point. <laughs> I, I must. Admit, I do think. I, I do. I would like to see by the end of all this is some sort of compilation that brings all the German lists together with a unified chart or something like that. But it's so confusing making a German list at the moment. Yeah, it is a bit much. Or you get away the whole thing of you know you can mix some books, but um, yeah, I think there'd be something because right now it's either too complex or too open. But well, I think there's a part of me that thinks that yes, it's kind of nice because if you want to do a Bagration German list. You buy the mm-hmm. Bagration book and you have access to the things that were there. Yeah. Apart from if you go, oh, actually, I know these early units were there, so I want to get a D-Day book and add that unit into it kind of thing. But you'd only generally do that if you had that kind of hobby interest. Um, so yeah, if, to, to, to the layman yeah. new gamer, you know, you go, I'm interested in playing Curse. Go on a re, you know, sorry, re, re, yeah, refight. Is it Curse? I'm confusing myself. No. Oh, Bagration, no. Progression yeah, is too late. Oh, yeah, I want to refight D Day. Okay, I'll get the D Day book and take it from there, kind of thing. So I can see why they've done it to give it like the granularity of you can pick and choose and kind of get things that are the same. But at the same time, having the option to pick and choose from everything does mean that you can make those later units. Well, the other thing you, thing you get is quite weird where you get in like the progression Panzer Four list is, is demonstrably better than the D Day Panzer Four list. Yeah. You get little hiccups like that where you think, well, is it a more historical, I guess? What's the difference between the two? You can basically take Panzer Grenadiers in formation, is what it boils down to. So, but in D Day, they wouldn't, they hadn't evolved the tactics at that point. Is that what it is? No, because you can get around that with the I'm going to play the camp group card. Is it because it's Battlefront and that's the way they've done it? I don't know. I don't know what the, the, there must be a logic to it. But yeah, you can take Panzer Grenadiers, or I think, I think mounted, dismounted, and but I don't think Grenadiers in formation. So they're actually a compulsory platoon as well. So you don't have to take two platoons, compulsory platoons of Panzer Fours, for example. You can take one of Panzer Fours and one of Panzer Grenadiers. Bob's your mother's brother. But I, I, I don't know why. Hashtag Battlefront. Yeah, it's it's just a thing. It's like in mid-war where you've got two Soviet books and two German, or three German books because the German army goes through several stages of <laughs> despair. Yeah. Uh, during that period, and, and things do change quite quickly in the space of, what, two years? For better and worse, yeah. Well, 
yeah, for better for people who like living in the democratic uh, <laughs> Europe that we now live in. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a funny one. It is a funny one, though. It, it happened in, uh, in V3 as well, though, didn't it? There seems yeah, to be more German books and things like that. But... It comes back to what, why you play the game. You know, you need five German books if you want to pick out those little bits and pieces and the grain language are different. There's always going to be one list that is better than everything else because it has the right, you know, for your play style. I'll caveat that as well because you end up with the right mix of what you want. But whether or not that's the period that you want to represent, that's different. You know, everyone has their own ideas in their head of what the Second World War was and what it means. And that's what excites them about the period. And that's why you end up with five different books. You know, and yes, one good British one might have all the answers in it, but that's because yeah, essentially, at the end, well, of the, you know, they they won the war. <laughs> well, I think <laughs> the other thing is the British, um, American, and Russian forces were far more standardised. Yeah. So you don't have this bizarre setup where you know you got three or four different arms of service all working against each other with different patterns of equipment and God knows what else. Oh, well, you equipment. logistics played a major part in the. Uh, outcome of the second world war do you yeah the boring bit of getting stuff to where it needs to be apparently is quite important um yeah i think that's probably why as well is that i don't think anyone goes through as many traumatic changes as the germans as well and yeah you've got ss luftwaffe and uh, here units all doing strange things at different times and new equipment's released to different units in different ways and it's just a bit of a mess and it's so cool um, this does kind of tie into the next question from Chris Stewart, who asks, has Battlefront gotten the breakdown of periods in game wrong? By having just early, which doesn't exist at the moment, middle and late, some tanks just don't really fit. They also tend to end up repeating themselves in different books. Would it not have been better to get one book covering a nation for the whole war? Then they could have released campaign books to cover specific battles or specific periods. As an example of a period, the book might cover the equipment from mid-42 to the beginning of 43, which then covers El Alamein and Stalingrad. One of the problems with their current approach is it leaves behind whole model lines for years and makes them hard to come back to. Don't disagree too much. Yes. Yeah, it, it, I think it's so hard because of, like you say, the nature of one, you know, the nature of the technological advancement is one side makes a leap through, brings it to the table, aka the battlefront. The other side go, holy crap, what are we going to do? And then they tend to bring something that's better back. And you end up with this weird leapfroggy type thing. And it's also people's understanding, you know, the, the scale of World War II is one of those things where you kind of go, it's so hard to kind of keep it all in context in your head. Yeah. I th- see, I think, I th- I, my personal opinion is sometimes the demarcations are a little bit weird. Oh, yeah. So what is mid-war? What is early war? Like we had it, you had it, mm, like in V3, you had things like uh, Barbarossa was an early war book. Yes. It was not an early war book. It's not an early war period. It's not an early war period. <laughs> the T-34 and KV-1 are not. They might, yeah, they might have been the exception that proves the rule, but yeah. Well, you only got, you only got three of them. They were terrifying. Yeah, and what, what's going to stop them? Kind of, see, see, you say that, but I like that because, yes, it's like the Midwar Tigers are absolutely horrific because they were, because, you, you know, that's what I was saying. They had the technological advancement. And all of a sudden, this heavy tank is just this, oh, my God, someone's come out with this monstrosity. It's got 10 millimetres of armour, which is flat-fronted. It's got this massive 88-millimetre high-velocity gun. But then you compare a Tiger to, you know, Fireflies, which are dime a dozen. There's 20 times the amount, you know, and, and that, you know, you've got the, the problem. You've got the cure right there. 
And then you go, well, actually, down the Tiger 2 is that next leap forward. So mm. it's nice to see the, the the initial threat being represented. You know, KV-1s in mid-war are scary as heck. You know, KV-1s in mid-war, okay. Well, because the you know, their front armour, what, seven, eight, nine? I think they're eight or nine, yeah. So if you don't have the, you know, the response, you're in trouble. But then a KV-1 in late war is just, oh, well. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's it it's one of those impossible problems. I I think there's two there are two ways you can do about do it, can't you? Because I mean, Warlord do it with their campaign books. Um, yeah, know, they release a set of, but it's different. Don't, it's, I'm not saying it's the right answer. I'm just saying that you can do it for a particular mm-hmm. period or a particular campaign, and that's kind of what they did in V3, wasn't it? You can. They were essentially campaign books. Yeah. Go ahead. I, th- I think, like, say, you know, to a certain extent, you can. As players, you can say, let's play this campaign and self-limit yourself. Or yeah. a TO can say, all right, we're going to play this campaign so your forces can be from these things with these units restricted or something like that. It's like we did in version 3, we're playing just a North Africa campaign. Uh, yeah. Stuff. But then the other the other you know end of the stick is you take the battle group style, which is you literally have one book which has all the lists and that only ever plays the other lists in that book. You know, it's it's a closed system, so you'll never get any wiggle room because it is enforced historical in that respect. I think I think to me part of the the good goodness that's not a great great sentence, but part of the benefit of uh, version four is that they they have let you do that, like they haven't removed the historical nature. Yeah, you just have to work harder to put it in. It's not dished out to you. Yeah, um, and you can do you are you know freer to do what you want. So I guess in that way, they have kind of got it right in a way. You're just going to have to work hard to work out what you want to do with it. Yeah, but I think that's kind of, uh, I think all they've really done is they've taken the same approach in version three, with the, you know, three or four mini books going together into one compendium. And all they've done is issue that, instead of doing the three or four mini books, they've just done one compendium and removed a lot of the duplication and replaced that with the command cards. It's kind of like the way they've done it. So kind of broadened their scope, but also narrowed it at the same time without having four different pads of four companies that only have a slightly different information support yeah 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 you know my shelving unit is collapsing under the weight of my v3 book and when i look at it i actually look at it and go through oh, i can do that in v4 i can do that in v4 i can do that in v4 I, you know it's that's, it, that's what it's i mean is then that, that's that's what i mean but yeah you can still do yeah what you've always done it's just you don't you're not limited to uh, yeah, and very few tournaments or events chose to say you can only take books, well, lists from Market Garden. They tended to be, you know, this is a V4 late or V3 late, sorry. Yeah. I don't think that's changed either. Yeah. Right. I, it's a hard, I don't think there's any right way to do it apart from which feels right for you. The Battlefront approach, I think, leaves it up to you to decide how much of a slice you want to take. Yeah. You, you can get some wacky things, but that's just down to, yeah. like Lee said, self-regulation. Running kicks. Um, Dean Marquis asks, why is the Stug only fearless? At under six points of vehicle, it's one of the most costly vehicles in the game. I still love mine at the weekend. The Stug life. You don't, sure choose, I, you don't choose the Stug life. The Stug life chooses you. I'm not sure I understand the question. It feels like a conscious. Why is Stug only fearless? Yeah, under <laughs> six points vehicle. It's one of the most under. Sure, it means the most undercosted vehicle in the game. But yeah, he says most costly vehicle. Yeah. Just the yeah. Hmm. There's that weird thing, isn't there, as well, with the 
Stugs versus Fulsham Stugs, isn't there still? Or has that been resolved? I think it was the SS Dugs where they were remount two and the other Stugs were remount three. Well, it's fearless. Yeah. It's plain fearless, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I, 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 I can't say I have any issues with Stugs. I, think I like my Stugs. I think a point more than a pound is uh, four. Quite less. I mean, a, a unit's 17 versus a pound of four, unit of 18 for free. Oh. I mean, it's got yeah. worse It's got worse assault and counterattack. Meh, which is funny considering it's an assault gun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but it's not actually meant, it's not for meant for assaulting, it's meant for driving up really close and then just battering things. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Stugs. Oh, I more flat hands. Um, Senator McCarthy asks, when going to an event, do you construct a historical list or best competitive? I asked because historically they would have had M10s, but with some tweaking, I could take M10Cs and Achilles. The unit in question is the 10th Prince-owned consult, Tower Hamlets, formed right around the corner from where I was born. Part of the 61st Lorry Rifle Brigade for the Italy campaign and part of the 26th Armoured Division before that. Okay. In that scenario, then, uh, don't take the M10Cs. I don't think they had them, did they? If they, you know, yeah, I think that's what what they're saying. So they, they didn't historically they had M10s, but yeah, don't, M10s don't, do don't do it. Go don't historical, do it. you know. And when you, you know, you sit there and someone walks up and says, "Why didn't you take M10Cs?" or or the one like say, "Why didn't you take Achilles?" You can put your, you know, get a pair of glasses oh. if you don't wear glasses. Push the glasses right up to the top of your bridge of your nose and go. Well, actually, <laughs> well, I, th- I think. If you invested the time and effort to actually go and, and look up that up and invest, you know, invest that mental capacity yeah. to create a unit on the tabletop, then you're only cheating yourself if you decide to break away from that and yeah, do yeah. something that's competitive. If you're doing something competitive and you don't give a monkey to what unit is, it's, it's the 72nd made up brigade from uh, round my corner. Paint it in bright pink dazzle cap. Yeah, you can do, you know, do what you like, but if you actually gone to the the labors of finding out and this is this is the this is the conflict i have in my head sometimes is once i found something out i can't unfind it yeah <laughs> yeah ignorance, so I've done that before. ignorance is bliss except in exams yeah well, so i got say i got the yeah. same issue with my brits in that uh, um again the m10 versus m10c where if i was doing this as a normandy force which for the most part i'm really looking at my guy here it's not a huge issue in there's a bit of confusion normandy whether they had m10s or m10c's it looks like they had M10s in Normandy, and at some point during the Normandy campaign, or just after, they exchanged them for M10Cs. So if I was going to do a Normandy game, I wouldn't use them as M10Cs. I'd just I'd use a model, but I'd use them as M10s, yeah. because yeah. that's what the unit had at that point. Yeah, and this, this is why I use the barn doors as barn doors rather than the cruciform ones, because that's... That's exactly, what they had. Yeah. Yeah. And also, you know, I've, I've shot myself in the foot before. I've, I've spoken about this where I painted up that stuff for early war with the New Zealanders. And then um, uh, I, can't, I can't remember who pointed out to me now, but someone on the blog pointed out to me um, that they didn't have the captured Italian tanks. They had captured Vichy French tanks. Once I found that out, you can't unfind it. You've got to, you've got to paint the unit up and go, oh, nope, not using M, uh, M11s anymore. I'm going to be <laughs> using uh, R35s. And they are worse. But you know, if you if you're doing something, I think at that point you've made that decision for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's we're playing an allegedly historical war game, so you kind of if if you go do it, do it properly, right? So. Well, yeah. If if you're quite happy, like, like I said, if you're quite happy doing whatever you want, that's fine. Just don't then look up stuff and then. 
<laughs> and then decide to go against that because that kind of just yeah. defeats the, just the point of win. looking it up in the just, first point. Just to think you'll be slightly more competitive. Yeah. Silla yeah. no. uh, also asks uh, thoughts on airplanes in competitive environments. I can either take two planes from my template or again tweak and either take two 25 pounders, an observer tank, or two priests. Would the, smoke Never... bombardment, oh, would the smoke bombardment be a better choice? Good God, what an awful choice. Uh, I, it was switching, uh, yeah, two, a two-gun artillery battery. I'd go with two, the two planes, because at least they've got machine guns go hunting martyrs and stuff. And yeah, don't re-roll. Yeah, Correct. I think, yeah. I think, yeah, it was a choice between that and I'd go planes. But if it, if I'm you, sure if I could... You lose one, if you lose a plane, you're not rolling morale. If you lose a gun, oh, God. Yeah. And you know you yeah you're already going to be with less effective environment. So if that's your choice in the planes, but seriously look at your list and try and make it so you can get four twenty five pounders. <laughs> yeah, because four twenty five pounders are rare sport. Definitely, you'll go at twenty five pounders every day of the week. But also, if it's for the Brits, would they not be sexed? Uh, well, pre- if it's Normandy, they'd be priests in some of the, in some of the divisions. Okay. Yeah, they get they eventually get dropped because of standardising. Um, ammunition on 25 pounds because the Americans were out of one of fives. But yeah. certainly the first few weeks, well, the first half of the Numdi campaign, um, in, like units like the 50th um, Infantry Division had priests. They bought I them. Just, I just wondered if um, they'd be slightly cheaper as well. If you looked at those units and went, oh, I'm going to get four sextons rather than four. Um, yeah. But I don't actually think sextons cheaper, isn't it? Sextons are two points cheaper than priests. Oh, they are. Okay. <laughs> Which uh, is nonsense. A 10 a 10 asks the magic ratio between M10Cs and Daimlers, inquiring minds want to know. The answer is zero. One, no, the ratio is one to zero. No, the answer is zero. Zero no, to zero. No, no, Don't one, take any of those things. No, it's one stupid. Huh? You can have M10s and zero Daimlers, or you can have zero M10s and Daimlers. Or, no. or mm. you could have a unit of Daimlers and a unit of M10 supporting a proper, a proper British list. That, those yeah, are that's quite nice. Right? Yeah. So one to one. Yeah. Yeah, one to one, but not certainly no a three to two ratio. Whatever the hell those lists are that are coming out. So fifteen to yeah, fifteen to nine. One to one is fine. See, I yeah. think what you should what we should do. One way to get round it is you have the meeting engagement rule changed, in that you calculate the distance that your units can move, and if there's <laughs> if there's a disparity of the units moving through terrain, then that unit gets left behind. That's going to be fine for the first game, but the moment the bar opens, that rule's going to get more and more complex to work out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Damon's racing down a road, and the M10's going, I can't keep up. Or the Damon's slow down, and therefore the opponent wins the game because there's nothing on the board. How is that, suppo- just... yeah, how is that supposed to work? Like, your M10's supposed to be sneaking forward, your Damon's just herring across. I mean, so it kind of works with Germans, because obviously... A lot of the time, the Panzerspars and the Afghan were being used as rearguard units, and they'd be whatever units are in the area, like you know, sort of rear, you know, slow like guns and stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly like that. But it doesn't really, doesn't really work with the Brits because generally the army cars be off doing their own thing. Well, and they and and correct me if I'm wrong, but they weren't in any force, were they? Because the the, the whole idea of going out with like thirty armored cars kind of negates the point. I remember well, reading. They were, sort of, they, it's wrecking and strengthening that kind of thing, and flank and the flank flank um, security. So they were, they would be using company sized forces for those kind of roles. But, yeah, but not yeah. not not in the front line with M10 support. No. Uh, well, and that's why I get back to banning the armored car cards. It makes a lot of sense because we're not playing the right game for an armored car formation. The, the thing that I the story I love about the Daimlers is the guys who joined a um, retreating 
German column joined in the back and then was just way through all the checkpoints with them and then ended up on one of the bridges and um at the start of operation goodwood they ended up sitting on a bridge going well this is quite a nice bridge we should probably keep this we'll stop here and they got there by joining a bloody retreating german armored car column yeah my favorite one is the intercourt um basically they find it but they find this um a unit of stugs and panthers they go hell forever lo- open up i think they bail no they set one panther ablaze and another stug and then these Germans break off, and then Intercourt guys track them down, do it all over again, like <laughs> take out another couple of tanks and get away completely. Scott, you know, Scott Free, that ain't because she's on their own. On their own. I just love the idea of peppering these things with like two pounders and somehow setting a pan for a blaze. I mean, it's, it's not an inconsiderable shell at the end of the day. It's still a, a, oh, yeah. a little slab of metal going towards something. Little dry adapter will do it, yeah. Eddie C. Hi, Eddie. How's it going? Uh, Eddie C asks, "How do you win with T thirty four eighty fives?" I see. I think they work. T if it said seventy six, I might have asked a question. The T thirty four eighty five, I think, works quite nicely. Yeah, to me, it's about being very Russian up until the point where being Russian would lose the platoon and then falling back with the remnants. <laughs> no, I, yeah. I think mine does it best. Is the you have one, you do the hopscotch thing, fire and move. So you have one platoon stationary. So that you can actually take advantage of the fact it's got quite a good gun, mm-hmm. and the other the other unit instead of um, just handing around um, tactical moving, you're actually dashing between yeah. cover and things like that. And that's actually quite scary because if they get on your flanks, that that 85 mil gun's going to go through pretty yeah. much anything. I mean, and four hero T-4485s are 18 points, which is about the same yeah. as a platoon of British Shermans with a Firefly. And yeah. the average anti-tank is a lot better when you get down to it. I know it tops out at 12, but every tank is firing. Yeah. yeah. What's the cost of the American one? 66. The M4 66. Yeah. That's about the same sort of anti-tank. Yeah. yeah, but I just wondered from a points perspective, I can't remember how much they are because they get the green and the veteran. Oh, I, I, think see, the veteran so, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Um, I've my cards in front of me. They're quite expensive. Though. I think they're 30-something points for five. Then, yeah, that sounds about right. Six points a tank, something like that. Yeah, so, yeah so, they're, they're significantly more expensive. And, yeah, yeah they, they've got obviously got the stabilizers, which mean yeah, moving and firing is their game. Yeah, so yeah. four four M four actually, so yeah, four M four Sherman seventy sixes is eighteen points for the confident trained. So it's exactly okay. the same. Yeah, I mean, but the, the Sherman has one point better front armor at seven. Um, the T thirty four has one point better side armor at five. Yeah. They're both confident trained, aggressive. Um, but the T thirty four it can do tactics on a three plus, where where the Sherman has got better remount and better last stand. But also two shots and two shots to make with stabilizers. Where's the um? Yeah, Why the same points then? That seems like quite a big thing. That does seem like a big thing. I I, I mean the cross the cross is better on the T thirty four, which isn't much. Um, it's got ah, so it's got t- tactical twelve on T thirty four versus tactical yeah. ten, and we know that. Flames of War version 4 overvalues, in my opinion, mobility. Yeah, that extra two okay. inches apparently makes all the difference. Right, over two shots with a 76 mm gun. Yep. Okay. Hashtag um, well, I'm just looking at my box now of, of 21 T-34s. I'm thinking I made an error. Um, yeah, wait for the late, late war and get the cheap one. I, like I say, I, 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 I like playing my T-34-85s. So I, I want to do some more at some point. I, like, I do like my little t 34 Speaking of Eastern Front, Corey S. Lanes asks, what is the best way to play Panthers? SS, regular or Hungarian? Drunk. Late, late war. Wait for the bulge, buddy. Pan- Panther, Panther Brigades. Yeah. Panther Gs. Bulging Panther Gs. 
I still think there's something in the five SS Panthers. As a support unit, as a one role reserve, yeah. Yeah. The problem I've been having with that, though, is what do you put in the other 56 points to make it last long enough for the Panthers to actually turn up? Beast Defenders. Yeah, I don't. I'm not convinced. Yeah, Beach Defenders and Pack Front 88s. There you go. Estonian, Estonian SS. Mm. Ah, the good SS. Yeah, yeah. Oh, with the goodies. <laughs> mm. Estonian. Uh, David Palmer asks Horde tank lists in late war. Discuss. I think we have Disgusting. It, no, discuss. <laughs> yeah. As in, what is this? Uh, um, don't I mean, do it. I mean, what are the Horde, ta- the Horde tank lists, I guess? That, but it would be like um, finished T26s, isn't it? It's all the uh, minor allies, unfortunately. Yeah. Or largely the minor allies. Minor Axis allies, yeah. Yeah. Because Stuart- Ma- Master American Stuarts is still quite fun to face. This is, is a panic where you're getting blitz around it, but it's de- you can deal with it. Whereas, yeah. Well, yeah, they're also only hit on threes. Things like that. I think the problem with the Axis ones is they hit on fours, aren't they? Yeah. You got these annoying, yeah, annoying little tanks that take an ordinate amount of firepower to actually remove. Yeah, for it. Well, I'm, I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan of spam lists, I think, is what it's come down to. Well, unless it has a historical precedence, it just seems to be that you're just trying to shoehorn, you know, the only way to balance these crap tanks is to have loads of them, and then they won't really probably be used in that fashion. So it's just, yeah, shoehorning it in because you can, not because you should. Yeah, I spent so long thinking about if they could. <laughs> didn't think about whether they should. should. Uh, Vic Ilong asks, now that we have the top five favourite World War II camos, let's have the top five favourite modern day camos. We shall do it in the future show, yeah. yeah. Whitewash. Desert Flectile. Bless you. Yeah, I know. Craig Ewan asks, you touched on this in your last podcast, but what are your favourite YouTube channels to watch whilst painting? The Chieftain and Forgotten Weapons are good channels. Yes, they are. But I find myself distracted whilst watching them. So it defeats the purpose of having them on in the background. I, see, I, I just like listening to um, Gun Jesus' this voice in the background. just talking away at guns. It doesn't distract me. It's just talking away. I do, I, yeah, I totally. Well, he does distract me because I totally get hooked into the internal mechanisms of firearms and the way mm. that it, that works here and that seer catches there and this is supposed to be an impingement yeah. fit but it doesn't quite work oh, it's so interesting and um, for me i don't tend because of that reason i don't tend to have youtube in the background because i end up getting soaked into it because it's a visual medium and people tend to know what they're doing with that respect um so i go back to podcasts um and it tends to be a podcast about probably not about what I'm painting, which is really weird. Um, so I listen to my other gaming podcasts like Maximal Fire for the Adeptus Titanica stuff. They or, are, Ben. We just plugged you. you there you go. Who else? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they're, well, they're, they're, they're new painting stuff with Battle Bling. That's pretty cool. Clash of Titans 2021. There you go. Bribing judges with uh, shout outs on other mediums. Go and check it out. <laughs> check them out. Good Lord. <laughs> what was that sound? What's that sound? Oh, it's Shane leaving the building. Shane, I have done. Yeah. I'm a corporate yeah. fool. Yeah. <laughs> so, I so I, I like to say, in addition to the ones we just mentioned, the forgotten weapons and in range and um, the chieftain. Yeah, but bizarrely, I'm, I'm I'll be a really good American gun that I find because I just follow the same things. Yeah. Um, I also like watching a lot of um, like um, stuff like movies and movies with Mikey and cinema wins stuff where it takes apart movies and just talks about what makes them work and you know the sort of the deeper meaning behind things 
again, it's just one of those things I just find I can have in the background and occasionally glance at. And, yeah. But just oh, listen I, to. I think I've said this before, but um, here's a, a load of War Thunder video game stuff because that kind of tends to be, um, was it the uh, Bo, not Bo Jingle, Bo Gaming is an American yeah. guy. I think, it's, I think it's Texan, but I won't hold that against him. Um, it's a Texan guy with some friends and they play all the War Thunder stuff and they end up, they, they focus in one tank that they play for a whole episode. So they'll play nothing but Panzer 470s or they'll play nothing but Verbal Winds with the occasional aircraft thrown in. Um, and that's pretty interesting. Yeah, it's quite funny because over the series of watching a lot of these videos in the background, you kind of pick up, it's much like listening to, I can imagine, you know, listening to our you know, banter between us and our relationship and the way that we play games and pick up on things, you know, say stupid stuff and have sayings. It's kind of that similar kind of thing. So you don't actually have to sit there and watch that. But when you do watch it, it's obviously high-end, amazing gaming graphics of World War Two or whatever they're playing, you know, Korean stuff, um, looking amazing, getting blown up and shooting other stuff. So it's very Flames of war esque in that description. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know what any of these... Yeah, too cool for school. Just, what, just, what, what, do you, what do you listen to when you paint then, Dunk? Um, podcasts. Um, yeah, on... What have I got on there at the moment? So the We Are Ways with, uh, podcast with Al Murray and James Herman Holland. Goering, the Herman Goering Fanciers channel. That we exactly, to. yeah. <laughs> Fatty Goering. Interviews well. Um, we Have Ways is a very good podcast. I'm very impressed by it. It is a very good podcast. Uh, the Dan Carlin podcast. I quite enjoy those. He's got um, a YouTube channel that he also has um, stuff that he puts out in um, podcast form, but on YouTube. So yeah. um, that's like, he calls them addendums, which are like extra bits of content. Um, but yeah, I don't really, what else have I got on my, hold on, I'll tell you what I've got on my playlist. Well, whilst you look that up, I will also say the on YouTube, the World War Two Today where they've gone through and they day by day, re, re, you know, recount what happened in World War Two on that day um, in real time throughout the five years. That is an incredible channel to watch. Obviously, there's now, I think they're now in like 1944, so there's a massive backlog to catch up with. But five minutes on what happened during that day, you know. Oh, uh, yeah, there was, a, there was a guy also, there's a podcast where he does that day by day. Yeah. And that's, so he, he does a podcast on each day of World I, War to working his way through that was- i think the podcast was world war one okay if i remember correctly the podcast is world war one the youtube channel is world war two okay which are both equally awesome in terms of the scope of what they're trying to do yeah so um i listen to what culture um that's yeah there's quite a bit of content they put out i think they put out some stuff on youtube as well i try that to i think i can't i'm like lee i can't have something that is visually like i couldn't watch a film even if it's what no. I've seen before, I can do that either. No. I know people can, but I just I can't I can't do that at the same time as trying to look at what I'm doing. My brain can't handle it. Um, and then just yeah, music and stuff, I guess as well. Yeah, listen to music, or I hop on the uh, the uh, Discord channel for uh, Patreons. <laughs> talk. I haven't done uh, that yet, but that's surprising. Yeah. Having the Skype meetings where you just get on and paint and talk actually works really well, I find, if you're able to line up your hobby periods with other people. Yeah. So become a patron, join our Discord channel, talk to us whilst we paint. Um, Tom Ray asks, Battlefront have enlisted each of you to create the next standalone Fate of a Nation style game. What 20th century conflict would you choose and why? What unique units and rules would you include? Who wants to go first? 
Uh, I would choose Drone Wars of Gatwick, 2019, uh, where the drone didn't actually exist. And all that happens is Gatwick spends lots of money on an anti-drone unit thing that it doesn't, you know, need at the moment. Yeah. yeah, yeah, unfortunately. No, no actual sighting of a drone ever actually took place. It was all just rumour. <laughs> and they <laughs> shut Gatwick for two days. <laughs> Trying to find it, yeah. Oh, it's a great idea. Why wouldn't you? Well, it's, it's the ultimate terror thing, isn't it? Yeah. Right? I've just been putting myself There goes another watch list. Paratrooping Luftlandestrom nuns. What? That was that whole thing of, you know, they're going to paratrooper um, German stormtroopers dressed as nuns. Oh, well, that's army type of thing. Yeah. Who? What did you do, Lee? Um, I was I was pondering this. I was trying to think of something good, but um, trying to think of something good. I, I'd, like, I'd like to do like say the, the sort of ultra modern stuff, like you know, going to like um, invasion of Iraq in two thousand and three. We have all the really Gucci kit. Really? Yeah. It'd just be interesting. Would it be a game though? Well, again, it, it, it gets stuck to doing like the Vietnam style, Vietnam stuff style with there'd be insurgency on one side. Yeah, you know, it's like asymmetric effectively. Okay. I'm going, to, I'm going to cheat and just say career. Really cool. I want bags. Uh, I want early jets. I just, oh, career would be so good. So, uh, Spanish Civil War. Because it's just essentially the precursor to what they've already done. Can't be that hard. Uh, Russian Civil War. Russian Civil War is bonkers. Um, you know, the trouble is it's all infantry based, but that could be quite interesting. Is it 20th century we're limited to? That's what the question is, yeah. Mm. No, not Falcon. No, yeah, I don't. I don't really know. the The trouble is, after this is this is why I think that a lot of stuff finishes at World War Two. Is that after World War Two, they kind of become a bit more one sided. Yeah, foregone conclusion. Yeah, it's not quite the same. Um, they've done the Iran Iraq War. Although I am still waiting for my hovercraft. Just saying. Yes. <laughs> um. Yeah, I can't really think of anything else in in that period. I think there's some interesting things they could do with earlier periods, um, but that's that's not what the question asked, and I'm only answering the question. <laughs> William A. Scott asks, "How accurately do you base your World War II infantry squads? It seems like Battlefront shorts how many men were on their base. Examples: German Grenadier squads were ten men, Panzer Grenadier squads were nine. Battlefront suggests eight. I end up always buying an extra platoon or two for enough riflemen to make my historical OCD happy." <sighs> Ooh. Well, historically, how many squads would be at full strength? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that, I mean, that, that's another bit that asks me a question that springs to my mind. Yeah, I mean, generally units be re- sort of rearranged to be at strength in between. You know, at the start of the operation, but you know, the casualties will quickly mount up. When they when they reorganise and mount up, and when they reorganise and mount up. First guy comes out the half track, trips over, breaks his arm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's there. He's out. Stuff like that, yeah. Another, another guy, you know, ate dodgy dinner and woke up with food poisoning, can't get out of bed. I I, I don't mind so much because it's also an abstraction. It's just a base to me. Yeah. So it's half, it is a squad of men, however many men that is. Or in the case of my beach defenders, adolescents. I also think that five men on an infantry base is very crowded. Well, four men very crowded. Like, you'd never be that close together in real life. No, no, it is a bit. That's why I, I tend to default to four, no matter what. Yeah. Even with the Russians, just because it looks less silly. Well, well, I mean, a historical spacing would be like two men to a base, if not just one, <laughs> because you'd never stand that close to your mate. Because one burst of machine gun fire, you'd all fall over. Yeah, and artillery exists. Yes. Yeah, one, um, one man standing on his own is a waste of ammunition. Two men is a juicy target. 
Uh, and this, yeah, I, I, I don't. I think it's a slight abstraction. I'm not too too concerned. It's like how many gun crew do you put on a gun? Yeah. Just like for those twenty five pounders, they start getting very very congested very very quickly. Rule of cool, buddy. Rule of cool. Oh, I know. Whatever looks good. Don't 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 worry about it. It's a hobby. It's supposed to be fun. Um, with that said, we're on to events. Yeah. So a new event just come in. Bun in grad twenty twenty one at Badfield Hobbies. Bunningrad 2021, 100 point mid war competition on the 4th and 5th of September at Battlefield Hobbies in Daventry, run by the uh, renowned Graham Clacker. Oh, I believe, believe they're using their revised point C's for sale. Yeah, so it's £30 per player, which includes a Battlefield Hobbies lunch. Uh, it's 100 points of mid war Flames of War with big point amendments. So it's going to be five games, three on the Saturday, two on the Sunday. Two and a half hours each, but they've got a completely revised mid-war Flames of War points list. And it is completely revised. Yeah, with a focus on boosting medium tanks. Yeah, reducing the city front the amount of city front armor vehicles you'll see, I think, um, and other various tweaks to kind of get around it. Have you guys got any thoughts on those? I've got thoughts on them. Well, who I'm was it? Share them, but who yeah. was it that said they thought? Oh, it was a bit. Yeah, I was a bit much, and then actually looked at it and went, actually, that kind of makes sense. I can't argue with those. Mm, no, I think that there's there's some still some bits in there that I found thought were a bit weird. Like I said, the the M4 half track mortars going up from two to three points seemed a bit like I don't, I don't think they're the problem. I but, think it uh, kind of hurt. It all harks back to the hundred points granularity thing, doesn't it? It does. It was just like if I don't, I, what I mean is if we're trying to realign points to solve issues on things like medium tanks not appearing, then then armored mortar carriers probably aren't the, the oh, area to start. On. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but if it, if they're an auto include, it's just they're too cheap for what they do. And right now, armored mortars are an auto include. But they're still an auto include at three points. So what's changed? You just got one less point in your list. Yeah. So you're saying it should be four points then? I'm probably saying that that. that I, I don't even know how many points that, that wouldn't make them worth taking. I think even at five points you take them because they're still part of the formation. And yeah, formation choices are strong. And their artillery, there's three of them, which is the magic number. It's the same with T-30s. You don't leave home um, in mid-war Americans without T-30s and M4 half-tracks because they're, they're just both part of the, That's your formation staying in good spirits. And they, they, at the moment it costs something like five points to do that. Yeah. So, I mean, you could... I, I, I guess my point is that, that unless you're really going to ramp them out, what's the point? They may as well left them at two points. Yeah. But there are some interesting things in there. Like that, I was, I think, was it we were looking at the M4, M, no, Panzer III, sorry, Panzer III versus Panzer IV's question. That that was very interesting. Panzer IV short for days. Uh, yeah, I think we were looking at longs, though. Longs are both. Which one, you know, and there's, a, there's definitely a, a more of a conversation to be had there around which ones do you take now because i think in general terms you don't bother with the pants for longs pretty much ever yeah but they've tweaked it so that there's actually a you know they're still expensive but there's a good a good chance you'll see them um and they're not the auto dismiss which i think is also as as dangerous as the auto include oh. you look at something and go what what nah pass <laughs> hard pass hard pass like stugs <laughs> I'm just guided. I'm busy that weekend already. Otherwise, I'm going to be going up there. And I'm jonesing for a Battlefield Hobbies tournament. Are you? Yeah, it's just so much fun. It's a good crowd. It's a good crowd. It's a great venue. You know, you get an interesting mix of yeah, abilities and, and list design. 
and often yeah it's just a different meta you just get out there and it's like oh someone's thought that is completely differently and bought this thing i've never played against and you learn a lot by playing you know outside of your your spirit yeah, you do. it's uh, always cool playing new things yeah you know I, I i when i went for warfare that year and played against the beach bums and we got spoon fed one of the french guys bought a um, beach from panzer house and was spoon feeding me single stands and they became a massive hindrance because like well a single stand of infantry now means i can't dash now means that he's in, sat in a wood if i ignore him and get within four inches he'll assault me without defensive fire it's horrendous and it was just like wow this is actually super powerful the rest of the platoon's falling back but that one stand is really going to make a penalty to me and if he loses it he doesn't care because he's got another six waiting in that building so there's lots of different bits and pieces you can learn from playing at other places there are. plus it's battlefield hobbies and it's hammy and he's awesome so yeah more games is better than less games exactly salute 2021 will be on the 13th of november i will be there i hope to see you there if you are there it will be fun um warfare 2021 ascot race course 27th 28th of november is that sold out now frames i think it must be close because i think there's four tickets left at one point must be close i think the latest is it's not going to be the uk or english gt yes there is no gt the gt without a gt Ooh, I won't be a bit of a weird, yeah, a bit of a weird change, but yeah. Um, yeah, I think it just means there's no objective, isn't it? Yeah, but that sucks. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm just saying. I don't know. Other than that, what difference it makes? Oh, it really make any effect. Like... objectives are awesome. Yeah, no, I know. I'm not disputing that. I'd rather have one than not. But I just meant that that's that's it. And you can't call yourself the GT winner if you win, yeah. which well, I'm not. Well, unlikely as it is. <laughs> yeah. Um, no. Uh, so taking my US to that, I need to finish off my AOP and then I'm at a level I'm happy to take it and I'll tweak it going forward. Two late war armies fully painted. What? what? Mm, I, I'm still I'm in an arena about what earth I'm taking. Oh, I'll it's probably change it a million times since then, but at least then I'll have one list done. Oh, no. I, I'm I'm best. I know Germans are out. I'm not taking Germans. Germans <laughs> are stupid. But <laughs> that, all, uh, all bets are off. Cool. That's what I've got so far. And then obviously the breaking news announcement yeah. That, that go forth in February 2022. <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm sort of committed to that now, aren't I? Oh, yeah. Well, Eddie's committed, to, committed you to it, so yeah. That, that goes forth Feb 2022. There we go. At, you know, there'll be a group. Axel will, nice will be asking you about it. Yeah, yeah. that's it. Python. So it's added to my event list now. So every episode going forward is going to be going to be advertised. <laughs> we can ask Lee, like how he's asking us about our warfare prep. We can ask him about his. Uh... Yeah, how's it going for Dak? Dak goes forth. Yeah, that's it. Just just keep that peer pressure going. I'll, I'll sort it out. Should yeah, I that, take? Should I take? Level. Allied German or Ita- Italian? It depends so, what you can balance up the foot size. It's definitely going to be Axis versus Allies. Okay, so I've got to get all three written down. Is that, is that what you're saying? Yep. We'll get two done. You'll get allies and axis done. No, I need to have allies, German and Italian, because if you have too many German forces, the Italians need to be represented because they were there. Ah, oh, so I need to get American, British, German, and Italian done. Gotcha. I see that. What could possibly go wrong? All right, gents. Shall we? Everything. everything. Yeah. yeah. Shall we scoot and shoot them? Yeah, so I'm not quite sure. It look, this dice looks familiar to me. It's, it's, it feels like it's some sort of like Asian style. I was going to say Maori, but now I'm looking it up. It, I can't find anything Maori that looks like it. But is it a Polynesian war canoe? It is. It's kind of like what well, feels like it should be on it. It's like a, some sort of like um, demon, like demonic kind of face, but it's done very stylistically. It, That's. It looks a bit like an oni, a Japanese oni. Yeah, I was just, I was just looking them up, and it doesn't look quite. 
only like, but yes. But it feels like that kind of thing. It feels like some sort of Asian demon kind but of it, thing. Is it Dice of War Dice, right? Is it Dice of War Dice? I think it's a custom one. Oh, okay. So, got, yeah. Is it, yeah, yeah we, got, we got a whole smorgasbord from, from Mr. Brooker. Yeah. And he's awesome list. It's just like, yeah, I've got all these random singles. Do you want them? Uh, yeah, the, that would confuse Lee. The tongue sticking out is what makes me think Maori, because it always has that thing with the tongue. So, what were, yeah. what, what were Maoris in, wow. in Flames of War? They were usually trained, weren't they? They were usually yeah, well, trained. trained. Yeah. 50 50. All right, so 50-50. Uh, it's a free, so we're not, they're not doing whatever they're going to do. We're scoot. sat in the open, but you know what? We don't care, because we're Panzer Four Seventies, and all you've got is a 75mm Sherman. <laughs> yeah. well, I was going to say, I'm not, I'm not quite sure what Maoris were doing shooting and scooting anyway. Surely they're no, just for me, leaping over. Yeah, follow the me. Free on plus, they definitely yeah. do following me on the free plus. So. Don't forget, you can shoot and scoot forwards. You can, yeah. Yes. So you can sit there and shoot, and then move forward four inches to get closer for next turn, where you sit, shoot a stationary and move forward, and shoot a stationary and move forward. Yeah, yeah, but you can't assault. No, you can't. That's but... what the Marys are doing. Yeah, but if, your chops. If, you're doing, if you're doing it with, you know, hands of force seventies is what you're saying. Hands of force seventies—that's pretty good, right? Blitz, shoot stationary, move forward, and then grid off. You rotate. I don't know if you've noticed, but I think Eddie likes his hands of force seventies. I'm not sure if that's coming across loudly. I'm not sure if that, you get that. They are the flattest flat pans. I don't know though. I'm not sure how you, how you feel about them, Eddie. You've been a bit um, ambivalent. I know. Sitting on the fence. Keep my yeah. cards close to my chest. If you could make it a bit more obvious, that'd be appreciated. I do like the fact that I have these really, really flat main battle tanks, and then I've got these uh, werewolves that are just like thirty stories tall. Are they actually in a tank, or are they assault guns? Um, I think they're whatever you want them to be. I think they're just that flat that they can androgenize into different vehicles. Hmm. Okay, oh, that was a genuine question. I didn't know. Um, I think they're, they're tank hunters, technically, aren't they? Tank hunters? Is that like a tank destroyer? Yeah, like that, but. I think it's more a case of we have these massive guns, but we don't have any Panthers to put them in. Oh, God, a turreted vehicle is ridiculous with this size of cannon. Let's just stick it in a Panther 4 hole. There you go. That's yeah. Dear Lord. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Armoured Train Reaper podcast you've been listening to is Shoot and Scoop, the Flames of World podcast and the team of Breakthrough Assault on Code UK. I'm supporting by support for benefit hobbies, Dice of War, and three-point trim bargains. Oh, no, not the three-point shrimp bargains. <laughs> he, he got in at the end. Trigger! Why are they three points? <laughs> There's no need. <laughs> the They're a jeep that swims. <laughs> <laughs>